Hello, listener. Come on in. Come on in. Welcome to our imaginary like house or, or dining room where we've we've you know we've got a nice comfy chair for you. We've got you know a roaring fire. We've got you know stuffed alligators hanging from the rafters. Come on in. Come on in. Um, that terrifies me. Combine uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the broadcasting of the signal from some unknown bunker. Um, and, uh, I, and it made me think it was like, it sounds distinctly like, you know, a Ronald Hutton affectation, but I feel like he always shows up somewhere in costume, but never, you don't see his own home. Consistently voted historian, most likely to actually be a time Lord. Yes, absolutely. Welcome to another episode of Radio Free Golgotha. Um, Golgotha, Golgotha, however, <laughs> uh, no. um, I, I, there is some comfort that even in the Golgotha hymn, mm. they do pronounce it in several languages to be like, just so you know what we're talking about. <laughs> right. It's it's a very like, you see that approach in the Picatrix, right? Of like, you know, the, the very ecumenical theology of like you who are called so-and-so by so-and-so people and also this by these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Good stuff. <laughs> so this is, uh, I believe, episode 26 of the show. And we are blessed and privileged to have uh, Jay Hamadi here. Uh, along- Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> And uh, uh, my name is Jesse. If you don't know, um, hi, hi um, you'll regret this. And uh, <laughs> hiya, I'm Al. It's nice to be here, even if we're going to regret it. But uh, Jay, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, I go by Jay, but also JM, mostly in written forms. I am an artist, an astrologer, writer, teacher based out of New York City focusing on traditions of image magic, but also uh, broader senses of that term of the magic of images, which is a lot of what we'll be talking about today in relationship to the lunar mansions. And uh, yeah, I tend to focus on lunar mansions, fixed stars, and there's a lot of crossover with those traditions and magical images in particular. I have a podcast. I uh, am a grad student. I'd say that about sums it up. Awesome. And you're uh, an excellent person to go on holiday with. I can definitely attest to that. Friend, having, friend, <laughs> friend of the hosts. Friend of Trump, the host. Yeah, yes. having, having trooped around bits of uh, of Italy together. Yeah, uh, it was it was awesome to, uh, to 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 go adventuring with you. Our uh, our Sesame Streeting for the day. I do hope that we can use that. You know, it's Garen <laughs> did right, so it's it's legal. Um, yeah, it's, it, I feel it comes under like, you know, fair use. Okay. So our, our list of topics for the day, um, which is cultivated, sometimes in the past we like totally randomized it, but then we realized why not like make it somewhat already with connections that are there. Right. And one of our ways to entice guests is to say, you already know some of these topics. Um, and uh, so uh, there there is, it wasn't just random, um, but uh, this is for the Feast of the Archangel Gabriel. And uh, old style feast because this is uh, intended for March 18th, 
There's also March 24th feast. And mm-hmm. both of those were kicked off the calendar in favor of just putting all the angels with Michaelmas on the 29th of September uh, mm-hmm. after Vatican II. So with uh, much fond memory of uh, Gabriel getting his own day, uh, happy feast of the Archangel Gabriel pre-1921. Mm-hmm. And uh, our so our, our, our saint of the day is not a dead person. This is less necromantic and more, I guess, is it still necromantic when it's an angel? Depends if you're sacrificing things to the angel or not, basically. Always, always. <laughs> sacrificing things. Um, I, I sacrifice this time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and, and cross-culturally, I think Gabriel's an, a wonderful one to look at just because of, of, the, of his prominence in all three branches of the Abrahamic faiths. As a demon of the day, we're going, we're going hardcore and going with Iblis. So this is, um, this is big. It's a, it's a big topic. And the herb... Wow, I'm doing it British. The herb of the day is lily, uh, mm-hmm. the flower, the, the fleur de lis. The stone uh, or mineral is jade. The style of magic is lunar mansions, of which we have the privilege of having Jay here with. The uh, tarot arcana of the episode is the moon, uh, appropriately. The uh, geomantic figure we're going to talk about is populous and therefore it's uh correspondingly similarly shaped uh and occasionally counterparted odu of uh Ayeku. and our uh dead magician is ibn arabi uh i'm very excited to talk about uh, some of uh, his work woot, woot. y'all y'all gave me the list i could not resist <laughs> <laughs> it was all on purpose the yeah the seduction yeah. Yep. So, you know, we will proceed according to the the, the preordained route following Lord Summer Isle, um, <laughs> to, uh, starting with the saint. And uh, so the, the archangel Gabriel, um, Jibril. Uh, so there's a lot here. I and mean, please feel, guys, please feel free to interject and, and, and take over at any point. Um, but generally, I feel like this is one of the most known saint in the, in the, in the very, like, also, just to start off, you know, like in the Hispanic sense, like when we say saint, it doesn't imply a dead person, but in English, we really feel like it, it has to imply a dead person. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And the, yeah. And the pro- I've been going through a bunch of stuff, uh, uh, Protestant um, diatribes, really, against uh, Catholic ritual at the moment, looking at exorcism and dispossession across the, the early modern period. And there's there's big problems with the idea of calling the archangels saints because they weren't they weren't people. That's 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 very much tied to the the Protestant take is like a saint has to have died and been a and, and been a person and even then we're, we're we're pretty suspect of them so gabriel as as well we have no idea if gabriel is actually a dead person who because i guess so supposedly you know that might depend on its uh the cosmologies that are talking about it but on the strictest sense angels are um non-free willed entities made of light right right right. and gabriel is one of the big three along with raphael and and, and michael yes uh, when, when a ne- when an angel is named in 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 scripture at least in 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 the christian bibles and and said that there's an angel but it isn't named who the angel is which is rare anyway uh it, if the angel is giving a message of some kind it's it's almost always said eventually in like folk hagiography to be or, or folk angelology i suppose to say, said to be gabriel or or, or, or jibril so uh, prominently right the the message of zacharias um of the birth of john the baptist is announced by and gabriel identifies himself there um and also describes his office as, you know, assisting before the face of God, mm. um, which is in order to deliver the message that, that the very ancient Elizabeth is going to give birth. Mm. And 
similarly, Gabriel's feast in March heavily has to do with the Annunciation, that we are nine months before uh, December. And therefore, this is the, 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 in the lovely seasonal pairing that happened by medieval Christianity um, in Europe of uh, aligning the fecundity of, of Mary and, and the, the, the reawakening of, of Jesus even post-death is, is tied to the seasonal round of the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Um, so spring awakening, uh, pun intended, uh, of, of Mary's uh, overshadowing by the Holy Spirit that Gabriel is the messenger and that that lore itself of Gabriel being there at the birth actually plays heavily into Islamic lore um, and uh, some things that, that Ibn Arabi uh, had voluminous amounts of things to write about, write on. But um, most notably too in, in um, modern Christianity, which is not biblical, but we do see it is that Gabriel is the one who will announce um, the end times specifically by blowing the trumpet, which will raise the dead. Right. So the this as far as necromantic properties, Gabriel has an instrument that raises dead, which is which is fascinating. And there's 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 a few other like feasts that are associated with him, like the like definitely the Church of England like got on board with the Catholic Church and was like 29th of September is fine for all the angels. And then the Eastern Orthodox Church uh, does celebrate the the feast day of like the, the synaxis of the Archangel Michael and the other bodiless powers. Mm-hmm. Which I just think is a fantastic name. Um, and- yeah, Synaxis already sounds like some dark wave band, and I'm into yeah. it. <laughs> but other bodiless powers is it's wonderful. That's the eighth <laughs> of November, um, and that's the the Julian uh, day. So it, we're, mm. we are looking at uh, the currently falls on the 21st of November, mm-hmm. um, and so you're looking at this other thing: uh, 26th of March, 13th of July. Gabriel is just a, a very important one. I think what's interesting in the Orthodox Church is that the 13th of July feast also plays into uh, Gabriel's continued miracles in the Christian community. So mm-hmm. including those post-biblical times in the 9th century, in the 11th century, in the 15th century, those miracles that are attributed to, to Gabriel are celebrated and um, uh, part of the uh, formal recognition on, on those days. So Gabriel is my strength is in God or God is my strength sometimes said to be um, God is great or God is powerful. There is a connotation where Gabriel uh, iconography or heraldry, as I think you love that term, Al, of, of white, white and blue, uh, which is mm-hmm. the Virgin Mary's blue and does speak of the kind of the peaceable sky uh, in that way, um, the non-stormy sky. And it, it, it does, we have this trifle division, uh, Old Testament wise of like something going into battle is usually attributed to Michael, something announcing is usually Gabriel and something interactingly and especially healing um, or bringing or bringing reparations is Raphael. Um, mm-hmm. But Gabriel is distinctly also named as a warrior for Israel um, and as a, as a great warrior. So and you would think that being strength of God, that would be helpful. The flower of the day is chosen because it is also something that we associate with with Gabriel, which is the lily. And so there's there's a lot of things that will flow between all of this. I, I am interested in this distinction um, that we're talking about and this uh, connotation that comes up in English about a saint and whether this is a dead person doesn't have to necessarily be a dead person or not, because it comes up in Arabic as well. And I was having this conversation recently with arabic speaking family of mine and it's like is there is there a good term for saint in arabic and at least in the levantine arabic that um is of my family that i'm familiar with 
there really wasn't a good answer. I mean, in Morocco, you have terms like Sidi, you'll oftentimes hear for uh, a saint or a, a holy person. But I mean, there's there's terms like Wali as well, sometimes Sheikh, but these are also or Hakim, which is like a wise person or a doctor. But these are, are less um, speaking towards the like what we would consider to be a saint, especially in the context of a, a dead person. Mm. Um, and this is something I came up time and time again in trying to classify uh, Al-Khidr, who maybe we'll touch on Khidr a little bit more throughout the conversation, but is often referred to as the green saint in Islam mm. um, and is referred to as a saint, but is, is not really a dead person person because he's also alive but he's not really alive meaning he's not incarnate though he partakes of this complicated liminal in between which you would call barzakh hmm. but yeah I, I i don't think it's it's really all that simple in islam as well though uh jibril would not be considered a saint in the sense that we understand it even if we're not like playing around with this person is living or dead because Jibril is pretty much in the category of uh, Archangel along with three others uh, Mikael who we talked about um, and the other two being um, Azrael and Israfil Israfil taking on more of the position that you mentioned of blowing the horn on mm -hmm. judgment in the Islamic tradition Israfil also being considered to be the closest to God and in uh, many uh, Muslim understandings of the, the four primary archangels and Asrael being essentially the angel of death, who there's a lot of really great connections between Asrael and um, Samsamael and Samsamael and Iblis, interestingly enough, as being like an angelic figure who has been given the power through God to essentially reap souls and sometimes even tempt human beings there's a great kind of overlap there too within uh specifically like mainland spanish catholicism um where many churches incorporate the angel of death as a fourth power um and and it's interesting because in in many modern ceremonial magic contexts we're gonna we're gonna follow the lead of the the apocryphal books of enoch right and 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 put uriel in there as following the trends of many uh like late 19th century early 20th century occultists right. as as a as an angel of the north and the earth and and silence and all these things um but the the muslim inclusion of of the angel of death uh i am not a franco fan by any means because of my other joys in spain the cultures that i that i do enjoy but franco's tomb the the valle de los caídos is one of the most incredibly uh, awestruck moments I've had in a church. It's in the top, it's in the top of a, of an ancient Christian site where hermits used to go from like, I think the first and second century, but they hollowed out a hill. They took the the stone from that hill and made the cross on top. That's huge, but you go in it and it's just mausoleums off the side and, and tombs of the people who died under Franco's on his side. So mm -hmm. tombing the, the fallen dead. And you get through this incredibly long passageway, which the church is shaped like a cross, as many places are. And you're directly under the, the top of the mountain at that point. And the altar is in the center. And they have this beautiful dome that has this um, gold-backed mosaic that's, that's awestruck. But it also has these, in my head, they're 50, but they're probably like 15 to 20 foot tall, four angels witnessing the altar, one of whom is, is the angel of death. 
um, specifically. And this uh, notion of this Muslim inclusion into Spanish Catholicism is something we're going to see mm. quite a bit if you actually examine. <laughs> I, I, I like that play on it. As far as Jabril, um, and there's a, a lot of things that I would love to kind of geek out about, but the thing that always stood out for me of the Jabril claimed Islam, right? And Michael claimed uh, Christianity yeah, totally. in the way, in this kind of solar lunar thing that we, I think we've touched on before, Al, many, many moons ago. <laughs> yeah. Funny. But that, you know, if you're a desert people, the moon is a friend um, and the sun is not. And yep. if you're of the Northern climb, the sun is very much friend. So uh, Jibril being the, the, the messenger or this defender of the faith, but also the one that comes to Muhammad, uh, peace be upon him, and says Ikra recite and this that the quran starts with this command from jibril to to do something that an illiterate man does not know how to do and the power in what that is and that the the, the mystical nature of the word ikra itself and the the beginning and ending with the sword of aleph um it's, I think- it's interesting to bring up the notion of uh the solar and the lunar and and michael and gabriel um re-reading uh text that was published through Revelor, myself and Dr. Amina Enlo's The Shamsama Araf by uh, Ahmed Al-Buni, who was a, a contemporary and even most likely shared a teacher with Ibn Arabi. So there's some interesting crossover there. But there, there is this notion in the text, and I'm not sure where else it uh, appears in the tradition, um, or if it appears elsewhere in the tradition. But um, there is this notion of uh, the moon once being akin to the light of the sun or um, even, even stronger, even brighter than the sun. And uh, the wings of Gabriel essentially uh, blotting out portions of the moon to diminish its light. And in the same way, this is like through through the intervention of, of Jibril for, for God, in, in, in creating these cross sections of the moon with the, the shadows of his wings, this is where we get the notion of the lunar mansions and the letters derived from the lunar mansions would take on such a big uh, import in, in the tradition, the magical tradition in yeah. particular, and also in relevance to things like um, al-asma, the traditions of letrism and, and using the numbers and letters for for magic and for mystical thought. But I mean, this is relevant to, uh, of course, bringing up Jibril as um, uh, the revealer with with the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, of the Quran and and these initial five uh, verses that you mentioned, uh, Ikra, uh, the 96th surah of, of the Quran, typically, and Ikra being read, but also... Um, the, this notion of the 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 clot or the the alak surah alak is as also referred to the clot or the embryo which human beings are formed out of which is the the name for the the surah and this is i mean there's the alif of course which is the the pen or the column which is mentioned in that same surah of the quran which god inscribes destiny into the book of nature and this, but this primordial dot or this uh, embryo which humanity is shaped from is the the same dot referred to in the tradition, typically ascribed to um, um, Ali, um, who was uh, married to Fatima, uh, the Prophet Muhammad's uh, uh, daughter. And uh, in this 
in this tradition, there's this notion of the dot under the letter bot, which is the letter B, um, and everything going back to this letter, um, the entirety of the Quran, going all the way back to the Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, um, all the way to that first B and the dot under the letter B, everything. So this, this embryo in which the entirety of the Quran, but also the entirety of humanity the entirety of the cosmos as we know it emerges is all in this initial uh, surah, revealed surah of the Quran um, by Jibril. And I think you can still take that back to this division of the light of the moon. And as Jibril says, Ikra, read to the Prophet Muhammad. It is to, re- to be able to read the signs in nature. Which mm-hmm. I, you know, I hope we talk more about it with Ibn Arabi and the concept of the perfected man or the perfected person, Insan al Kamil. But it is thought that the perfected person is able to read the signs in nature that are left by God, including the shapes of the moon, which form the letters which become the Arabic language, which mm-hmm. you know are the Quran and so on and so forth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They definitely want to get into. Um... Uh, 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 perfected uh, man stuff. I had a, a, a little uh, dive through that uh, today. Yeah, definitely want to get onto that. In terms of speaking the the language of nature, uh, one of my favorite offices, if we want to put it like that, of of of, of Gabriel of Jibril, uh, not only as a, be- a bearer of revelation to, to prophets and this this close sacred relationship with uh, with with Muhammad, peace be upon him. And 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 these you know various biblical appearances of announce of revealing of, of interpreting dreams for Daniel of announcing births of of John the Baptist of of Jesus um of of uh, of, of Isaac to Abraham along with all that there's there's uh, a bunch of uh Muslim ideas around Jibril having appeared to Adam generally post banishment and showing him iron working and wheat farming and writing in some contexts and this is also tied up to like Enoch and and uh, Idris um uh, also being supposedly a, a, a progenitor of writing but it's Gabriel's first teacher of geomancy uh that 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 obviously interests me as like teaching the language a language of nature I was reading uh, uh, Blanca uh, Villinundas. I don't know if I'm saying that, that, that surname right. Talking about the tales intended to explain the divine nature of, of the science of geomancy. And it provides these chain of transmitters, usually he- headed by, by Jibril. Uh, as, as a master of knowledge, he gives the, the, prophet, the prophet Idris the chance to learn and transmit to humans. Uh, the angel and the prophet are said to have, ha- have to meet several times until he's mastered the techniques. Uh, and then he teaches it to the Indian sage uh, Tumtumal Hindi, uh, and he's like a, a, a you know has a whole other legacy of his own of being this wise geomancer. He is relatively unknown though until uh, the arrival of uh, Caliph Al Babri, the elder, who's a, a contemporary of, of of the Prophet Muhammad. And uh, Al Babri is said to have studied it in India for like hundreds of years, or like 120 years, and then he writes a book, and that's bestowed upon his disciple. Um, Al Babri, the young or the younger, and the list usually ends with the most famous geomancer uh, Abu Abn uh, Allah Muhammad Al Zanati, uh, following his uh, his his master. Uh, and there are other cases where the mythical transmitters are substituted for for other ones. Uh, Idris uh, is has, has been assimilated to Hermes Trismegistos by many writers, uh, as well as like Thoth, the prophet Daniel, Enoch, um, and sometimes even instead of Tumtum al Hindi, you find them talking about. Uh, it being taught to Ptolemy, uh, and in other examples, you have like the Sybil, Pythagoras, Abraham, Moses, and even even Christ 
But this idea that the angel of annunciation and revelation doesn't just tell you news, they also give you the means to understand the things you've already seen or, or, or have had revealed to you. And again, thinking about like the not just the appearance, but the interpretation of, of Daniel's dream uh, in those contexts is, is, is really fascinating to me. Absolutely. I, I know we've we've geeked out on on that a few times, Al. Mm -hmm. um, the Idris with the, the Idris Enoch connection with threading in particular mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. the connection with but he's a with, tailor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um and I, I mean, I, I kind of go on and on about this sometimes, and I, I think people aren't, they don't really get what I'm talking about most of the time, but I continue to go on and on about it anyways. But like geomancy is referred to sometimes or like cutting of the sand and the, the, khat or the, the cut, just like a line or, or thread, khat and khait, being mm -hmm. Arabic words as such. Um, th this is the the line which emerges from that that primeval dot, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this you see this with Arabic calligraphy. This is dis this is discussed by uh, Halaj uh, in the Sufi tradition and, and others. Uh, but the line in Arabic calligraphy emerging from the same primordial dot, um, humanity emerging from this primordial dot. Um, as well as the, the geomantic figures, of course, the figures of Ramal, which emerge from the same primordial dot. And this is the way we conceive of the figures, or we imagine the figures as the, the dot, which is then becomes the line, or a series of dots, or a series of lines, but all going back to that same single dot, right? But I, I'm glad you brought up this connection going all the way back to Jibril. It's, it's important, of course. It also gives a lovely... Um justification for the validity of kat or ramol within Muslim society, where mm -hmm. revelation can sometimes be viewed as uh, tricky. Um, and mm -hmm. so to have one that is sanctioned and, and comes from an origin that is also the, you know, the, not the origin of the Quran, but the, but the, the, an impetus, let's say, or a call to, to have the Quran come forth. Exactly. There's that, uh story about the end of time when when uh Muhammad peace be upon him goes before the angels and there are you know it's the end of time and things are dying we've talked about this with the angel of death al who is in that scenario and is the last angel to actually die before the end of time um but the first angel he meets is jibril because he's seen jibril twice in life like he jibril revealed his full splendor to to muhammad Peace be upon him. But the the notion that Jibril has never seen Allah and does everything on faith, does everything on this is what I'm commanded to do, so I do it. And that uh, Jibril and the angels themselves are the perfect submitters to to the will of God. Which uh, there's something really that always struck me about that of like the devotion of this this angel. Also uh, selfishly because that's uh, you know although it's supposed to be a dead person, many of us take angel names as confirmation names, and we use the the earthly saint as a mask for the angelic force. But uh, so Gabriel Giba Giba, uh, which is funny because that means devil in Portuguese. Um, <laughs> Gabriel uh, is 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 a well, wonderful thing. I, I also like the what it makes me think of when you talk about the clot and the primordial clots of, of the notation, the right of marking odds and evens to, to find what the, 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 the figures are going to be that within this place, the, the mothers, why mothers, um, because they're generative, right. And produce more past them, but that it ties together mothers. And even when we talk about Odu as womb, 
and the womb of potential, um, the clots that form that which is going mm-hmm. to give life, um, what we see coming to term when we are reading, and the, the figures that give us an arrangement of uh, the, or at least the, how do you say that, the shaped like humans, anthropomorphized figure itself becomes even more evident if you're going to compare the earliest dots of, of, the, of the act of geomancy itself to the clot that becomes human. And so I, I think that's there's some really beautiful uh, poetry of thought linking all of that together. Absolutely. Um, the thing with Jabril, which is going to overlap, of course, because uh, with Ibn Arabi, there's um, there's an exploration. I, I there's a wonderful Ibn Arabi Society uh, podcast, which just has a lot of people reading amazing papers in very very low voice. So you have to like turn up your headphones all the way. <laughs> but one of them was going into Ibn Arabi's uh, explorations of. Uh, his understanding of what it is to be a saint, um, in which case that the holy men of, uh, or the friends of God, let's say, all are incarnations or permutations or exclamations of one of the 99 names of God. Hmm. And that every person in their potential to be a friend of God is also tied to one of the 99 names. And in so much as this, in the 99 names, this, even the separation of this is, is viewed to uh, Jabril's cutting, right? The 600 wings that he has of constantly trying to keep holiness that he's referred to as the keeper of holiness, the consoler of man. Um, mm-hmm. That like Adam in his despair afterwards, you know, has is, is so d- desperate to, to try and figure out and he's not sure if he can live anymore. And Jabril is the one that's like, no, this is you move on. And, mm-hmm. and the ability for Jabril to cut us from the past that keeps us too weighed down that we can only remember pain so much is a Jabril artifice. But so if we are all emanations and especially the prophets, therefore um, are, and if, if Isa or Jesus is, is going to be a prophet, which he is acknowledged as, then he must be an emanation of one of the names of God. And for him, it's Ruh. Hmm. So because it's Ruh, which is breath, um, spirit, um, Ruach correspondingly in Hebrew, that there is a relationship to Jibril that is different than all other permutations of the 99 names because the breath must be transmitted. And that Jibril's relationship to Mary that really was impregnating her with Ruh and that Jibril takes on more of a paternal role than any other involvement with any other prophet that doesn't have Ruh as their corresponding name. Mm -hmm. And because of this, Jesus is able to use Ruh in his lifetime to animate the clay bird and to perform miracles that look out of the ordinary, considering the actions of other prophets. Mm. As the miraculous is not supposed to happen in that way, right? It is Allah that, that performs miracles, pro- maybe at the at the behest of prophets, but it's not a one prophet that's doing magic tricks. Right. But, but Jesus is distinctly different in the Quran. So this part of this is the relationship to Jibril and to Ruh and the tie between those two with Maryam. And because one of the things is that Mary gives birth in silence in the Quran and uh, she's shamed, right? She comes, she comes back from the desert and Jesus is already, Jesus explains to the town, I think, or even her parents that he is the child of God. Like she doesn't do the explaining, but Mm -hmm. Jesus is born with the ability to speak truth. Mm -hmm. Like he's speaking from baby. So the, the, the Hadith traditions around, Jesus and Mary and Ruh and Jibril are are another source of um, wonder and, and, you know, tingly places for me. <laughs> you know, past the screwed up calendrics of moving 
all these quote unquote lesser angels around. But uh, you know, there's I think there's also the 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 tending when we talk of of Gabriel as far as in like rabbinic Judaism, um, he's the uh, the the left hand of God, which is fascinating, right? So the the side that's closest to the heart, but never necessarily within a Semitic culture, the the good hand, let's mm. say. But that uh, uh, and Michael being the right hand, that uh, in certain Kabbalistic. A scripture, right? And we see this in Lurianic Kabbalah that becomes the basis of a lot of, of modern occultism, um, that Yesod is is the sphere of, of Gabriel and therefore plays into why the messenger is uh, the one, the angel that we might encounter the most or have that humans have more interaction with directly um, right. because the moon uh, being, you know, the closest body filters the light of all other spheres down in a way that we can interpret and interact with. And right. that you know, speaking to fixed star magic of that, even the most distant, the, the eighth heavens um, can, the eighth sphere can actually be mitigated solely by the moon and almost bypassing all of the other steps up the ladders just because of, you know, this, which speaks to the relationship, of course, between the messenger and, and, and the moon there. And also that with the connection to the garden, that Jibril is the one that is responsible for bringing new souls into the world, right? The the tree of souls, I can't remember its name, um, but the the new souls that are falling from the tree of life um, go into the treasury of souls and uh, Gabriel takes the soul out of the treasury and uh, Layla, the angel of conception, watches over the embryo until it's born. Mm-hmm. So Layla also meaning night, right? So con- conception is as, as and probably important to say gestation, what, what grows in the night. Um, so there's still this this corresponding um, relationship with darkness, with night, with uh, everything going on there. Um, but this Talmudic angel of Layla is there. The 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 one who comes at night is uh, this is a a way of referring to to Taruk or the the road which is also the name for the geomantic figure known as via mm. in latin and mm. also a surah in the quran itself it is you know we've been talking about geomancy a little bit already but it is interesting to think about the way that that the the the, the night comer the one who's uh, arrives in darkness this kind of primordial point or embryonic point that we've been talking about and then and then the mirror of course which um the the arabic figure of juma um would be populous in in the latin mm-hmm. is um is is a mirror like figure even in the way that it interacts with the other figures mm. it it reproduces the figure that it interacts with um as as if a mirror and so populous and via interacting in this way um and and to of course, I I love how just cohesive all the topics were with this one. Ibn Arabi, one of the main parts of his drop doctrines being that humanity is also the mirror of God, and so uh, the the populace or or the people or Juma, which is like the gathering specifically the Friday gathering at the mosque. Um, it, uh, as the the people, right? The the mass of people, and this mass of people is the reflection of, or the great mirror of God. Uh, and this is also something uh, which we this is how we refer to the moon as well as being mirror like or water like. And for the you know this kind of magic you're referencing, whether it's stars 
or the lunar mansion. It's it's the mirror-like quality of the moon, which allows the the this to happen, allows for the efficacy of the magic, unlike you know, trying to get a uh trying to make a talisman with a conjunction from Venus or Mars, let's say, in a star where these planetary bodies already have a, a very distinct personality, but there's something about the moon um, being like the figure of populace, which is mirror-like, so allows a reflection to occur with less and less. Um, interference. And of course, this is something that comes up again and again in the in the Sufi tradition of cleaning, cleaning the mirror. So uh, as a human being, as a mirror of God, we may better reflect the light of God. Um, so it's a, a cleaner reflection, if mm. you will. Um, but I love the way that the geomantic figures interact with everything that we've been talking about. Maybe, maybe um, it'd be cool to talk a little bit more about populace. Yeah, yeah absolutely. A couple of things just to stir it on there is the, you're reminding me of the, whichever verse it is, but there's two mentions of, ironically, of uh, God creating everything in pairs um, in the Quran. And this, this notion is sometimes described solely as male and female, but is also the basis for the heavenly double that, that, that mm. Arabi is going to go hugely into, right? And the, 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 that if there is this world of, of form, that there must be a world of, of ideas uh, following on the, the platonic uh, impulse there and whole whole worlds of creation in in uh you know the, the other world but that part of this um apropos of, of of current writings uh the mistranslation of the hermetic maxim um and its earliest arabic attestations and even into latin correctly at first of that which is abo- above is from that which is below and that which is below is from that which is above as opposed to the latter Latin translation of that which is below is like unto that which is above. Right. And so we have we have broken the relationship where it is actually part and intertangled and paired with the the two that everything that is connected in this entangled web of pairing that that an interdependence that that via by its nature must be populous as well and populous by its nature must be via and both can be lunar then the call to prayer and then the coming together for prayer and that the when we make it like and make it symbol and make it simile that we have actually destroyed something essential about that nature, um, which is, is the start of a shift in many ways towards that wonderful death of miracle and the Protestant reformation and eventually atheistic materialism that is, we're still alive. Um, um, And that is all, you know, probably as well. Um, uh, You know, the transition from, from via to populace, uh, you know, and taking its, um, again, you know, oh, there's a tricky thing because we want to quote what's public and not be too interpretive and things like that. Um, but the when you combine Odu and you get, you know, when you're going from via um, its equivalent of being Ogbe or Ogbe Meji, um, going to Oyeku Meji, that they eventually those pair, right? So the one that starts with Ogbe and ends with Oyekun, which would be equivalent to via modified by populace, right? Mm-hmm that the story contained in that is that of the forgotten altar and that there is a king whose village is not prospering um, and he goes for a reading and essentially he's told that there's an altar in his palace that has been neglected and that he must spend the rest of his life searching for it and that mm-hmm. he will as a king his he is now tasked with every day 
he will be serving a different altar and to understand that he will never be finished, that he will start tending to his altars on Sunday morning and finish on Saturday night. And that this is partially what it is to be a good ruler. It's partially what it is to have dropped this sign where it's the father of combinations, because these are the two oldest signs in, in, in the standard order of Ifa mm-hmm. of being Ogbe followed by Oyekun. Um, so there is similarly, you know, I always, I do like preferences where via and populist are listed first. Um, they are not always listed first, of course, but um, that kind of overlap with, you know, I'm not going to propose the universal. I'm going to, I'm going to propose that I'm lazy and don't like memorizing different orders. Um, <laughs> and it's completely self-serving, but populous is, I feel gets a really freaking bad rap a lot of the time, right? Like it just as the, as the emblematic darkness, the dark mirror, um, the, the, the crowd that, that corrupts the meaning of the individual, the the thing that Western mind fears more than most of like the, the status quo um, <laughs> right. and trying to keep up with the Kardashians at the same time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think all that's present in at least early modern uh, European uh, uh, takes on, 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 on populace. Yeah, for sure. Or yeah. Celebrity. There is a certain amount of people power. Um, there's a lot of like demagoguery of like stirring up the crowd to war or to like hate a particular bunch of people. There's, so there's some good people power stuff. There's also plenty of like, oh, people are the worst. I, I think it's it's worth pointing out that in going through the placements, the delineations of how the figures speak in the various houses, that the crowd doesn't vote unanimously. And, and the placements of populace are filled with conflicting accounts from, from early modern geomancers of like literally, you know, populace in the sixth by some reckonings, meaning that the illness will be will be small and 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 pissy, and some being like, oh no no no, he's he's on his way out, and 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 it can be a particularly difficult one to read in some circumstances, as it's it's like this this faint voice fades into the background murmur. But I think when you when you got an eye for nuance and 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 the specificities of the case, the the crowd does begin to to answer more clearly. But it's also absolutely tied to. Water, phlegmatism, the dark, all these are bad things that, you know, uh, those, those, you know, perennial European ideas of the strong leader, uh, the strong masculine leader will like triumph over, uh, in, in, in various ways. It, it, it can signify like having to feed everyone, um, of, of, of having way too many options as well as like not really having any, um, like the, the, the kind of, the two halves of it, like, yeah, you can find it in the clamor of a busy street, but it's also there in like the flattened grass where like a marquee or a big top was up and everyone was, you know, dancing and having a lovely time and then went away. Like the, 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 the there's a strong presence of absence with populace, I think, with the presence of expectation and potentiality. How does that tie into uh, Fortuna Minor? Fortuna Minor is it feels more like it um it tries to take the path of least resistance in a in its in its devil may care surfing of the of of you know lady fortuna's fickle fortunes right the the it, it cautions that things will be will be up and down there will be crunchy and there will be smooth whereas a, a populace is a lot more like you 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 get out what you bring in and even then it will probably be dissipated a little bit Okay, because where I was going with that was when you're describing the dancing and things like that. I think of fairy court, mm. <laughs> the, the, the the gold that becomes coal by morning. Right. And well, the, is, the, that, is that Fortuna Minor? Is that populous? Is it just shitting mm. up? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Fortuna Minor is absolutely the gold that isn't the next day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Finding a hundred dollars in the street and then going home to a hundred dollar parking ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 very Fortuna Minor for me at least. But the memory but, of the ball itself is still perhaps populous. Yeah, yeah. I mean the gathering and certainly the um the 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 empty plaza in the city thrumming with like all of the ghosts of the marketplace and things like that is 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 that like you know that that kind of clockwork ghost town thrumming on a constant cycle of midnight you know it's funny you brought up fortuna minor actually because just yesterday i was rereading ibn arabi uh in his meccan revelations writing about the jinn and he tends to take a, a pretty elemental focus. And in mm-hmm. Arabic geomancy, there is a strong elemental focus in the figures, kind of in the order we're typically used to, fire at the top uh, mm-hmm. and earth at the bottom. But um, for, Fortuna Minor being the figure with the two, the two top dots concentrated in fire and air, and this being the elemental makeup, the primary elemental makeup of the jinn, according to Ibn Arabi. Mm. And um, I, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, that's like Fortuna Minor. And and human beings being more like Fortuna Major, wherein mm. there's this focus on the, the earth and water portion in the elemental makeup of the figure and more of a, a dispersal. Uh, yeah, the, the clay and the, and the humors. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, wow, because that then that really ties into Iblis, right? <laughs> the the being born jinn, but being raised to the rank of angel, and therefore the reason that Iblis can can defy God, and uh, you know this is in that in that in that mythic telling of God creating man, and then telling Iblis and the other angels to bow before his creation, and Iblis saying unabashedly, "I serve no one but you." Um, which points out the error in Allah's, which is impossible, of course, but it points out the error in Allah's perhaps test, and therefore Iblis is now relegated to a different position. Um, but that the that Iblis is born jinn because the jinn were created ten thousand years, I think. Adabi says ten thousand years before mankind, so they have a whole masterful civilization in the unseen world. In that same chapter, I. I... I'm recalling because it's just so fresh in my mind. In that same chapter, he has a really interesting and unique take, which is that, or or perhaps it's something that others have thought about, but maybe not uh, committed to writing, which is uh, just a broader definition of jinn based on the the letters and the um the etymology i guess of the of the word jinn essentially just referring to hidden but he takes this broader definition hidden being also the human interiority or what would be referred to as the botan as opposed to the zahir or the esoteric as opposed to the exoteric and in what's really fascinating and relevant to this is that Ibn Arabi also says, well, you could think of angels as jinn as well in the sense that angels belong to the unseen world and all beings that belong to the unseen world, including human interiority, meaning mm-hmm. the thing we would think of as the mind, imagination, so on and so forth, mm-hmm. can be referred to as jinn, which is a really wonderful way of going around this very long theological debate about whether Iblis is 
a jinn or an angel, which is not right. something that has ever been unanimously agreed upon. Um, and various authors and hadiths have um, have completely disagreed on it. So I, yeah. I was just reading that in that same chapter and I was like, oh, it's so simple, but it's such a great take. It's it's not a million miles away in, in, in terms of how it's being referenced to the idea of like, yes, demons may or may not uh, have effect in the world, are probably not physical in the same way that humans are, but also they can exist in and from the mind. Uh, and that's not to psychologize, but to point out that both have an influence on the other as 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 we are mirroring God. Exactly. He doesn't deny the the lived reality of these spiritual beings, mm-hmm. but is also inclusive of the the psychological reality, as you said. So we have on the one hand, uh, uh, you know, these two these two origins for uh, for Iblis. We have the uh, almost the the Fortuna Major of the hard work of a. Uh, of a jinn who was created a very long time ago and like works his way up with all that, like good, hard won success. Uh, and then the idea of a, a, a senior angel who, 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 and, and, and then, you know, falls as opposed to a fallen, a, a, a senior angel, Azazel, right. Who's not Azazel, uh, who, you know, is, 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 is tasked with wiping out disobedient jinn who precede mankind and and then and then falls, or, or or rather, like is is cast out of his his angelic role. Yeah, these these matters of free will do seem to be pertinent to these discussions, right? Like, as well as you know, theodicy, right? Like, what what's the existence of evil? Is is Iblis like indeed the the father of devils, right? Or or, or is he simply the guy doing God's particularly dirty jobs? It's it's a whole complicated exegesis. And it has gotten, maybe not this in particular, but this kind of thinking that I'm about to reference has gotten uh, quite a few people burned at the stake. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, in in the in the Sufi tradition, be, be, I, I guess I should start with uh, the basics, which is, uh, you know, Iblis is this figure who is often likened to Satan, but isn't really Satan, who is oftentimes likened to Lucifer. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, there's similarities with um, Semael, uh, mm-hmm. and as you mentioned, Azazel as well. Um, I think you guys did an episode on Azazel, right? Yeah. Um, so there, there, there's definitely a lot of similarities, even Azazel being explicitly Iblis's name before the fall. This is in the Islamic tradition explicitly. It, so he, as, as this figure, he's garnered all sorts of names, which I think are particularly telling. Um, Abu al-Harith, which is like, s- translates something to father of the plowmen, because there's <laughs> this idea that um, he's in constant uh, grief for he's in constant toil um so the father of th- this is my interpretation or father of the plowman the father of those who are in constant toil if you will as as well as uh abu mora which is like the father of bitterness so similar to constant toil just like the father of all of those who are constantly embittered grieving or in a, a melancholic state and in this way sort of known to wear the cloak of of darkness or the black cloak or the black turban as well as oftentimes in miniature painting um especially in the persianate world uh being depicted with very very dark skin like gray skin my favorites are the ones that actually he looks like a little gray alien almost which is its own fun thing to muse on for me. But 
Um, so he's he's this figure, and um, he he's also referred to as one-eyed, interestingly enough. And I think this is sort of to to reference his myopic vision in that he cannot, as as much as humanity is the reflection of God and Iblis, as he is most known uh, in not bowing down to humanity uh, after God creates humanity, um, can only see God from this one eye without being able to see God's reflection in human beings with mm. the other eye. This There's so many exegetical interpretations, the most heretical being uh, this notion of Iblis being this gr- the greatest monotheist, if you will. Th- this is found in Halaj, this is found in Ahmed Ghazali, probably uh, perhaps the most heretical in a, a Persianate Sufi known as Ayn al-Qudat, who um, has this really beautiful but also... Um, of course, controversial notion of the shahada, the la ilaha illallah, the la ilaha portion being this negative uh, place wherein Muslims may remain if they cannot move to the next level, which is essentially guarded by Iblis, who in refusing to bow down to Adam shows his great devotion to God in, mm. in this refusal to bow. And in in full devotion to complete the shahada in its fullest form, la ilaha illallah, the final portion, there is uh, no other God but God. To reach this final inner circle, one must pass through Iblis, who is considered to be the greatest devotee of God in in his refusal to bow down. This is, I mean, you know, as, as I'm sure most people will sort of uh, pick up on. A, a pretty heretical take, but it is a, a, a take, a mystical take in the Sufi tradition, nonetheless. And I find it to be a particularly fascinating one. You, but then, you've got to be pretty devoted to to do all that horrible stuff for God. Well, does he have a choice at a certain point because of the like the silence? Right? Can he complain? Is that whole there's lore about that? He cannot even complain nor praise God. Mm. That, that that is all internal. That mm. the silence is what is the punishment. To, to be the silent one is there, but I, the the kind of heretical. There's so much, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, Idris Shah, right, and the 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 kindling that that was for a complete uh, <laughs> fascination with Sufism that has fueled uh, a lot of uh, traditional craft through through Chumley's, uh fascination and and involvement, and then moving through that because the 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 maxim right after passing through the the eye that is the mouth of Iblis. To to be able to profess and change la ilaha illallah to la ilaha illallah that there is no god but I and to have this not be heretical but to understand the mystic union of that if there is a separation from God mm-hmm. that where there is a perceiver then there is no union and and the, the this statement itself is like you know if you're going to say an al haq and, and proclaim that you are the truth. <laughs> Yeah. what are you going to do you, 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 we is it we is it just is, is the is it the pronoun that's that like how do we get around that and the hubris <laughs> side of that because do you become iblis if you fail to pass through the the eye do you do you do you join this and human beings are nothing um uh as far as silent we are that's not our it's not our talent um, <laughs> but uh while you're speaking too of the 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 notions here of of populace and uh, never really thinking about the Tariq Tarikat as referencing geometric figures mm-hmm. of of in darkness the path that there's this kind of thing with with um, 
this two 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 and one 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 that this is the these are the mothers right or or progenitors of all other signs yes um yes. and there's this is why it, the reference sign before of of Obeyaku of being the father of combinations. It is the 17th in the list of 256 because it is the first combination of light and darkness. Mm-hmm. And if if we're taking that Sufic maxim of of in darkness, the path of you're talking about the world before creation of darkness and then light issues forth in that singular ray that is the, the first letter of and last letter of Ikra that provides uh, council that provides a direction, but you still need the contrast of the 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 world before before things are spoken into place in order to allow for other things, and whatever the order is of the figures, or whether it's in in Ifa or uh, in the various permutations and schools of thought, especially within the Muslim side, emphasizes uh, order of the figures a lot more than perhaps the the European inheritance of geomancy. But mm-hmm. that there is this understanding of the interaction of these parts of the figures themselves, of what is it to um, expand out, contract, you know, con- con- and or like where, where you have a, uh, this marriage of Carker and conjunctio that that um, this these are essential opposites, or the the flipping of things and mirror images between Kara and Kappa Draconis and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This, this yeah. is dance and an act of creation that is balanced on the point of the lightning flash that is contained within the darkness um mm. populace that gives birth that gives this is the the some i've seen the and you kind of brought it up already but the <clears throat> almost a tiamat marduk like relationship in that in, the, in all the troublesome things that that brings up yes but this is yeah. this the voice across the waters and, and exactly that's why I was thinking the darkness across uh, the 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 uh, moving across the face of the void and the weight of water right if we can compare populus to the other uh, typically or, or, or sometimes untypically uh, water signs uh, water figures right it you know if the air is this flowing waters of change and 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 the and the riptide as well as the meandering of the river and rubius is the stagnant swamps of pestilence and Laetitia, I, I read Laetitia as a as a watery figure, as these bubbling brooks and fountaining delights, and um and that's that's absolutely a figure of like of, of fairy dances, especially in meadows. Um, but I think then in that case we can know populace in and as like the vast depths of oceans, in the deep end, in the weight of water, especially in like you know the weight of of ice or of like the oceanic, but also like the bathic, the like the deep, the sediment. The, the the thing that was there before that 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 light worked on or worked through or came out of and that sense of like sediment or like the 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 the, the deepest depths of the ocean and things like that also I was I was thinking about I came across a, a, a an epithet or a nickname of of iblis as um Abu Kardus, uh, uh, uh which may mean the father who piles up who crams yeah. or who crowds together and this like darkness that comes when we just like mash stuff on top of each other or just let things pile up yeah love love that name that's also something we associate with the moon often mm. the, the the moon which which gathers things together which which accumulates in this way i like the the moon the relationship between the moon and uh the prophet and uh the 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 cycles of things we're gonna talk about the thing that piles up right the moon is piling light and then piling darkness upon itself mm-hmm. um but that the uh, numerology-wise, that the prophet is associated with the number fourteen, um, which yes is the bones in the hand, but is also the 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 moon cycle of going to the full moon, the fullest mm-hmm. of light, 
And, you know, of course, the, the full light of the moon versus the darkness of the moon gives an exact reason as to why it can be both Mia and Populous yeah. uh, uh, without without any uh, mystery, um, perhaps, of, like, why other figures might be associated with other planets. But you get unanimously, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of, of something, I don't know if it's, if, if I'm if I'm tangenting a little bit, but I, I also think there's something... Us, tangent, never. Imagine, <laughs> imagine. Uh, it's something of the, like, ah... Uh, of like the cyclopean in in like the strictest sense of like, I wonder if all unimaginably huge things have something of populace to them. Like the, the, not just the majesty of night, but it's just like incalculable vastness. Right. Especially when seen both close enough, uh, close up and distant enough to like gawp at your own dawning awareness that you're like failing to fully comprehend its vastness in the first place. Like the, the, yeah, the, the dark isn't just dark, but like the darkness is like, huger than everything else essentially you bring me back then to Layla and the the womb of night that is an angelic force with uh, within Judaism and then specifically being noted that Layla is one of the few angels that has feminine characteristics so in modern modern Christian expression you often see Gabriel depicted as female or at least uh ambivalent which is funny because you know that's the same community that doesn't particularly care for pronouns but <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of gender fluidity in, in Gabriel and many angels because they have no gender. Um, <laughs> but the Layla, it, as a nurturing force, the gestation of the womb that is likened to the, to the world resting at night to give um, sway to what has to happen the next day. And that Layla is the opposite of Lilith. So um, the, the thing that the, the one that preserves seed and allows for growth, whether it's in the ground or in humans, is mm-hmm. directly opposed to that which wastes seed. And that's a fact that there's a lot there. Yeah, both uh, both uh, jade and uh, various things called lilies also have a bunch of like seed and sperm mystery specifically to them. When we get to those, interested yeah. in, uh, in in pinging that. Yeah, oh, definitely. Mm. I, lo- I love the seed and sperm mysteries. It's like, yeah, all right. Well, yeah. let, let, let's 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 <laughs> let's keep, let's keep yep. bouncing then. So, uh, going through what we what we mean by Lily, right? Yeah. In, in the course of uh, our herb sections, are often about like also uh, traipsing through all the weeds of things that get called that thing, but might not be what we're on about. Um, so there's a. Totally. a, a uh 17th century anonymous english herbal i was going through from 1690 which lists uh there are three sorts of lily lily of the valley water lily and white lily this is the lily of the valley is under mercury the other two are under the moon and and the 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 major things are that it's it's uh i mean there's a bunch of things but a lot of cooling heat so when gerard is speaking of the white lily of constantinople which is the english name for for it uh he specifically mentions that the flower steeped in Oil olive, <laughs> it's it's nice oil olive, and then uh, stirred up a little bit and left in the sun in a strong glass is good to soften the hardness of sinews and the hardness of the matrix. So we have this this notion of like an overly hard womb, uh, and then later on there's a there's also a bunch of stuff about effectual to stay fluxes of blood or humors of the wounds uh, to uh, effectually cool and bind all uh, and restrain all fluxes as also the running of the veins, venery, and the passage away of the seed when one is asleep. So it's specifically, again, these big lunar mysteries are specifically about nocturnal emissions and avoiding them. I've got this really, really mundane take mm-hmm. because work, working as a florist, you know, I've 
I've always associated lilies with people's allergies and complaints more than anything else. Like <laughs> the, the lily, the lily is the flower that nobody wants in, in their hotel, yeah. um, in their space because they can always smell it. And because yeah. it causes more allergic reactions from a distance yeah. in particular, more than any other flower, which like I'm going to tie back to in my mind, you know, the, the mysteries of Isa, as we've talked about and the Ruach and the, the, the breath and the wind and the impregnating breath or the impregnating <laughs> wind of, of Jibril is like the lily can, you know, can infect people with allergies and sneezing fits and, and intensely strong visceral sense from, from a distance I mean, it really has an incredible ability to be able to do that. Oh yeah, it'll kill cats. That that pollen, just the pollen alone. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I it's funny. I who am allergic to everything, um, uh, if it's in the air, right? Uh, find lilies wonderfully helpful because they live so long. Uh, in once they are cut, right? It's two weeks and they're still good and smell good. One of my favorite things with a lily is just that it's the plant of like fuck you. Uh, from, <laughs> from in, in that way too, but of, of Venus or Aphrodite, of Hera being tricked by Zeus to breastfeed a baby that was not her own and partake more of of divinity in this way because it was you know a demigod that he was trying to make her uh, make a little bit more d- less demi more god um, less demi more oh god wow. <laughs> Um, so, uh, and then the baby was at her breast and, 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 and Hercules, of course, nurses and Hera wakes up and is like, what the fuck? And, and flings the baby, but some of her milk goes on the grounds, um, gushes across the heaven and makes the Milky way. And yep. then the ones that fall to the earth become the first lilies. So mm-hmm. there is an inherent connection between the Milky way and lilies, which then ties into the whole concept of fleur de lis, pilgrimage, Compostela, Thick stars gets my brain going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then also because the lily is so pretty that the goddess of beauty herself is like ah 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 this is <laughs> that bitch and flicks her fingers and the stamen the pistol comes out of the lily to be like I stain your whiteness with my red and mm. like, like this this like pure desire the the mist that we can talk about of people being like they're the of the white becoming pink let's say mm-hmm. of like just out of desire of this red dust that now, and it, you know, there's this, this reddening uh, is, is, is there. That's um, another I, really good mundane take. Yeah. I mean, the way that the, the pollen just stains clothing, like no other, especially if you're you know working with it directly and the lilies have that projectile quality about them. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of, uh, I know that it's a very sacred flower depicted in Cretan art, um, which I find just the whole the whole Minoan uh, thing too, because there's also a lot of controversy now about what is unified culture of of, of that group. Because we've only been looking uh, at evidence, you know, for a hundred years of of Cretan civilization. Because you know, before that, the, the term Cretan had a reason as to why it was used, uh, but uh, uh, also associated uh, with uh, Judaism very specifically, and and then eventually with with Christianity um, as a symbol of chastity and virtue associated with Virgin Mary. Um, and, and, and then you also get this strange thing of it still referencing, uh, you know, that, that chastity of like Aphrodite and Hera flicking off on this, this, this figure, um, that, uh, I just, I find that fascinating, but the lily is, is associated with martyrdom and especially virgin martyrs. Um, so those who are not stained, um, by the, 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 the seminical, <laughs> that's, I'm making up words. <laughs> oh, they don't, they never had sex, uh, 
Um, <laughs> and that that hopefully they they don't even have stains upon their lily lily whiteness. Uh, but uh, and also symbol uh, very heavily heavily associated with uh, marriage and chastity and the sanctity of of the generative force within the couple. Um, and especially tied to St. Anthony of Padua. So, you know, Tony, Tony, come around. And it's, 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 resurrection with the Easter lily, no? Yes. Yeah, but the Easter lily is a Japanese flower that's only 20th century, I believe. Um, so many things called lilies that aren't really lilies. Yeah. That's yeah. not even getting into water yeah. lilies. Yeah. Or calla lilies. Yeah, yeah. calla yeah. lilies. What's up with calla lilies? You know, that's, well, yeah. that's the funeral flower for sure. Yeah. Um, and it, it reminds me of... Um, uh audrey in uh uh little shop horrors where she's it's the glitter and the <laughs> oh god anyway um, well, audrey so, not audrey too yeah not audrey too the actual <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, doctor. That audrey. Oh. <laughs> so lily as well in in its permutations by the time we get to kimbanda it is the the symbol par excellence of the kingdom of the souls. It is so high, tied to the kingdom of souls in the way that the rose is tied to the kingdom of the crossroads. And that there's something chaste and pure about this and the kind of condescension condescension and like critical distance that the that the, the kingdom of souls that those uh spirits uh represent. Um and of course across the board, yeah, the kingdom of souls is a notion that's not just from Kimbanda, it, it's 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 an umbanda, it's in many of the various spiritist face that these are um, everything from the Pretos Vegos to the more severe Catizos that are like, you know, teachers that are like, be disciplined, be disciplined. You need to be disciplined. And the Lily is tied up in this concept of hard work, discipline, listen to the advice of your elders, fall upon tradition and don't get sold up. Don't get caught up in the flashiness of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, don't get caught. The Lily is an incredibly flashy flower. It just happens to be white. It sure, it sure, it sure blots out the smell of roses if there's an equal amount of roses and lilies in the room. But uh, also comes to mind is um, uh, consider the lilies of the field, right? How yeah. they grow, toil not, neither do they spin. Even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Which makes me think of the uh, the, the Douglas Adams thing about like humans assumed that dolphins weren't smart because they just spent all their time dicking about in the water. And uh, uh, dolphins thought exactly the same about humans. <laughs> but they were smart because they didn't do that. And I, there's something um, with Lily to uh, the, well, as far as Lily of the Valley and its ascription within uh, modern craft circles to being sacred to Lilith, who we've already mentioned. Um, and as the kind of poisonous uh, brood mother of of the Sangreal, as we would say, in this in this kind of heretical uh, Gnostic uh, interpretation, interpretatio Gnostica. Um. <laughs> yeah, just thinking about all of it, the ways it is, it like it is the white one, or, or like it, even framing things as lily white, which is you know a little bit Shakespearean, but is also directly humoral. Right, we're talking about the 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 pale phlegmatism of like the slightly salty. Uh, uh, seawater haunt of fear, like the the in all of its like the the fleshiness of its like flowers and, and the yeah the the the, the whiteness in the dark. Uh, Gerard quotes uh, speaking of, uh, of of its links to uh, you know uh, the the line of the souls. Gerard quotes uh, Saint Basil uh, in the explication of the forty fourth Psalm, uh, saith saithing. Uh, that no flower so lively sets forth the frailty of man's life as the lily. 
which I thought was an interesting one to throw in there. I like that. Sometimes they smell like corpses. In the lovely way that, you know, corpses can yeah. smell like lilies. Um, <laughs> I, I was just the memory of the confused. This was a harder, is generally a harder card having studied Lenormand cards and, and um, having tried to help others learn it. Lily is a difficult card. And uh, we, it's a very paradoxical card. And part of that is because of the contrast between the German school and the French school of interpretation, which by the time we get to America, you have to incorporate both. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sensuality, sex, virtue, morality, ethics, and wisdom. You can see the the overlap there with like Kimanda and and Umbanda descriptions to the lily there, right? Um, Uprightness. Yeah, it 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 has the full um, Madonna whore parallels that happen mm-hmm. um, in the cards. So it's a perfect example of, um, and we've talked about this before with Lenormand, and I think Lenormand then is an excellent excellent example of perhaps populist and Via's inextricably boundness is that you can't. <laughs> pull one card for the Norman. You need at least a pair, ideally a line of three or five, a grid of nine, or a whole grand tableau, because it has to be read in context and position uh, positionality to the other cards to form a sentence. Do you, you know, the Norman is going to be, is this the noun, the adjective, the verb? Which, what are, what are we looking at in this sentence that is being told to us in a very blunt way? Right. So the the etherealness of the, of the lily, um, the mercy, the justice is there, the purity of heart is there, but also all the things that are sensual, all the things we associate with that, that, that touching of the redness of it, the smell, the the fact that you can taste lilies, right? Like you, you taste them. It's really difficult. You never put it in a restaurant um, because right. it's just very, it's, it has that, that side with it. I, I also, um, one of my uh, passions of, of rabbit hole study, I guess, in the past year has been looking at classic spiritist texts, um, especially like uh, biographies and, and pseudobiographies, the autobiographies um, and, and uh, the ones uh, in Shadowland, uh, specifically of Elizabeth Desperance, um, which was uh, Elizabeth Hope is her 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 non non de plume, <laughs> um, but she was a materializing medium, and she was very good at materializing fruit and flowers. Wow. Uh, and this is not something talked about very commonly because usually spiritism is still tied up in its history of of fraudulent uh, mm-hmm. manifestations of things, um, but. Yes, there are photos and there's these these weird, you know, that that spirit photography trend that happens. You're like, there's this is this is multiple exposure. Um, but she was famous for conjuring certain plants, especially lilies. Um, and if you look in uh, Shadowland, she uh, talks specifically about uh, her guide Yolanda, which I you know have a funny because that's my mother's name. Um, but Walter uh, and Yolande are uh, two of her spirit guides that. Uh, seem to be helpful at manifesting flowers. So you have Walter Mm -hmm. Tracy, who's a 22-year-old Yale student who drowned, and Yolande is a young Arab girl. And they can manifest different things, uh, including the Ixora crocata and the golden lily. Um, So these flowers that she would manifest during these seances would then live for two days, four days, two weeks, and then just crumble into nothingness. They would crumble into light or a pile of ash. But the golden lily itself is something that is a highly, it's a, it's a big topic in Shadowland of, uh, it's a whole mm-hmm. topic devoted to it, but uh, and including uh, looking at the the golden lily and, and this, these, these photographs of like, look how exceptional this is. And like um, the, the Exora Krakata uh, plant, which is uh 
is I think it's in Manchester that that happens. And this is this is 1880s, but you know, it, 150 little little flowers produced, which looks almost like a, a jasmine plant or that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything of like being very very meticulous to counting all of the leaves, describing everything in extremely strong detail, and uh, yeah, so it's it's interesting. So. Materialism mediums, totally interesting thing. People producing fruits and flowers. I'm, I have a list of, of such studies and that's, <laughs> I, I, I love it. But the golden lily was Yolande's last work. That's the last thing she did um, huh. for her and then and moved on. Oh. But there's- Magnum opus. Yeah, exactly. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's like a six foot tall lily that comes in that looks as if it's made of gold. And yeah, there's a lovely photograph of it in there. Um so and I think it was live a week where which uh, uh, certain photographs were taken during that time period, and then it dissolved and disappeared. That's super awesome. The the uh, the, the the making of of flowering plants and fruits like come forth is uh, is some of the stuff I've been most interested in, especially making uh, trees appear in the the magic rings of the lunar mansions. I've been looking at in prep for for this chat and just in general of late going through a bunch of uh, working books of uh, cunning folk and finding a lot of these uh, uh, formula for the rings that are made in particular ways and that generally do kind of illusion looking things. And and there are several for bringing forth or making it appear that uh, trees are uh, heavy with fruits or, uh, or that they're like, there are a million, that, that, that there's a gathering of birds singing and by extension birds that you could catch and eat. Um, as well as making uh, meadows spring up and 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 forests spring up, um, yeah, uh, got really interested in in that, and it's fascinating to uh, see that that's something that you know spiritists are doing as well, in, in 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 maybe a very different form. Which is so much cooler and frankly more productive than so many of the things ascribed to the lunar mansions and like the Picatrix, the Hayat al Hakim about destroying cities and, and <laughs> like we don't we more lunar mansions for destroying more cities mm. um let's let's you know get some flowers and fruits and trees even if it is an illusion i i would rather have that than uh, <laughs> destroying more cities um, castles in the air yeah. not in ruins yeah <laughs> uh, yeah no i got time for that i got time uh, for so what what do you do, uh, do you see the Picatrix as being particularly influential in wider uh, uh, lunar mansion work, like from from you know uh, medieval period onwards, Jay? I, I think it's probably the most influential, mm. um, at least in the the quote unquote West, uh, with the the book I mentioned earlier, the Shams al Ma'arif. This book tends to be more popular in the strictly Arabic speaking world, Islamic world, as it is filled with um, uh, references to the Quran and is just based more in that um, religion. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, when it comes to Western magic going through uh, Agrippa, as well as to uh, Christopher Warnock and more contemporary iterations of of this kind of ma- magic with the lunar mansions or with the fixed stars i mean uh, the picatrix is like the text which yeah. my 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 peers and and friends elodie and chris over at the lunar zodiac project i mean they they from for as long as i've known them they're like yeah the picatrix has a lot of things in it just um uh, meant for warlords 
it seems, <laughs> which yeah. is, I, I mean, it's, it's a good observation. And, and, and for the most part, it's true. It exists in a very particular historical context. And, and as we know about magic, magic has been used by people in you know, positions of authority and people with wealth to, you know, as, as one other layer of uh, having a, a military or, uh, fin- you know, finances as, as weaponry, um, magic being one more thing that they may use in their arsenal and the people who may uh, who had the the funds, the dough to be able to produce these kinds of uh, manuscripts and texts? You know, the, these were oftentimes their desires or the things that were a priority for them. Yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting to see the way that people who do not exist in that context interact with those same magics. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Oh, bro, cultists. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Destroying seas, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, the, 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 the lunar mansions have, have such a, a martial quality in, in that paradigm. But I think by and large, I m- more and more I tend to, and this is less from a magical perspective, but more from like a, um, understanding them and natal astrology and mundane astrology and just from like a, a esoteric perspective lean more on the the indian material the vedic material of the nakshatras mm. which so so much so much of the arabic lunar mansion lore and symbolism really does come from the indian um and many of the images that you that you might carve into a talisman from the picatrix these being images that go back to some of the the really really ancient Vedic stories or stories from the Vedas that uh, inform the nakshatras or the or the lunar mansions. So I I, I tend to look there for I, I don't want to say a, a healthier perspective, but maybe a more well-rounded perspective on mm-hmm. the on the lunar mansions. I, I mean, as they exist in the the Arabic lore, you're talking about a strong mixture with things that came from India, uh, as well as Bedouin or star lore essentially um mixing with some of these uh more mystical concepts from islam that we've been talking about um the 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 letters and the numbers and their association with the phases of the moon this kind of thing i for me the the lunar mansions my first introduction to them was through ibn arabi um i didn't quite there wasn't the Picatrix was not like there was no really good English translation um, available. It was like it was a, it was a mythic tome, right? Mm-hmm. That that there was um, a, one edition that was uh, famously translated by someone who didn't understand astrology, um, <laughs> and so there's a lot of strange uh, strangeness about the elections given in, in that particular book. But that was a a worthy undertaking that then allowed other people to set up for uh, better English translations. It was I remember the lists. The astrological lists, uh, classical medieval Renaissance astrology lists, where people would argue about whether the Picatrix was even valid to Western astrology, and it was it, it, it was a classic thing of like, well, I have never needed it, and I don't know anything about it, so obviously it can't be that important. As a, <laughs> Then it was, you know, it's the people running the list, like Warnock and others that were like, um, this is like one of the most important texts. And just because we don't understand it well, or if you read Latin, if you read Latin, you have an option to understand how exist like existingly perfect that text is or how it informs Western astrological image magic in a way that doesn't nothing else informs it quite quite as much. And 
Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm coming through the, the division of, of parts of the soul and, and projection across the sky and the journey towards um, uh, the, the, the hidden cities in the imaginal realm through an Ibn Arabi like <laughs> deep dive after, you know, trying to understand what uh, Corbin was talking about and things like, like this. And uh, Arabi himself is apparently as, as is perhaps just part and parcel of a lot of uh, Arabic things, you know, Jay, you're, you, 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 you are responsible for a translation that is, that it was not available in, in any accessible way. And, and this, this notion of like Ibn Arabi, I remember it by, in like 2003, 2004, I think I read everything you could get in English on Ibn Arabi. And then I went into Spanish and like trying to read everything I could in Spanish. And now it is, there's so much more. Um, and it, there's, yeah, I, I, I doubt I'll ever be able to read everything he ever wrote just because the man was so prolific. Uh, Ibn Arabi's take on the lunar mentions for, for most largely comes from a Titus Burkhart's uh, mystical astrology of Ibn Arabi, I believe it's called, mm. um, which I, I'm actually not sure of the original source text. So if you're aware of them, um, it, it'd be good to bring it up. But in, in in trying to go deeper into different texts that Ibn Arabi talks about, the the lunar stations and the stars, I mean, I, I understand why this is the 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 reference that people make when it comes to Ibn Arabi because so much of the rest of it is extremely esoteric and dense mm. um especially if you don't have the the arabic background to get into it um because he's relating these different stations to very particular theological references and prophets and this sort of thing um and it's stations on the path to essentially this perfection of of oneself or as i referenced earlier that insan al-kamil or this notion of the the perfect person mm-hmm. and um the 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 text that most people are working with this mystical astrology does have a different uh, letter correspondence per the lunar mansions which i think is a good thing because in in once again quote unquote western magic we tend to and people have messaged me in the in the process of publishing the book of like well you know uh what what are the geomantic correspondences around the lunar mansions and mm. you know uh, how does this relate to the letter correspondences and i mean fundamentally there is no one set of correspondence and it seems like sort of an obvious thing or should be an obvious thing but in many respects it it really isn't and the the Ibn Arabi list does have a few crossovers with the one for from the Shams al-Ma'arif, for example, which goes in the more traditional Abjad sequence of the Arabic alphabet. And the, the Ibn Arabi list kind of moves around a little bit more. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it's important that he essentially comes up with his own system, which, I mean, just like uh, lists of geomantic figures, as we're seeing more and more, it's not anything that's static by by any means. And that a a, a mystic, uh, someone as brilliant as Ibn Arabi can uh, approach the lunar stations and have each letter reveal themselves uh, to him. And these kinds of correspondences come along. And I mean, almost what we would call like UP, in some sense yeah. sure yeah working out for himself basically what it is yeah yeah but then yeah. what what the beauty of that then is that right then that can be contextualized to his students 
And that is, you know, if we're taking, it goes back to arguments of letter versus spirit of the law and things like this of like, sure, you can memorize this proposed universalism, but do you understand why it was in that order to begin with? Whereas someone who changes the order can be like, no, I can tell you why I changed it. Right. Um, and th- this is um, in talking, I've uh, had many conversations with, uh, with Katarina, who's uh, been on the show as well. You both know her well of um, the, the exceptions when collecting folklore are what prove folklore. Um, yeah. If something, the, 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 and this, you see this and, and following kind of like the semiotic and linguistic nod there that the more simple a language is, it's more refined. It's more edited. Um, yeah. Ancient languages are incredibly complex. Ancient stories are incredibly complex. And it's, we see that in, even in the, uh, discussions around things like uh cornish folklore right that, that like yeah. there's no one city that does all the things that are in cornish folklore books um right. this city does may day this city does does halloween and this city over here does something around spring um and they are all cornish but they all you know they're not going to argue like no we do what we do in this city and similarly lineages of thought are are no different that it's uh with this this concept we've talked about before but um very prevalent in 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 Gimanda uh, magia, right like our magic our way of doing things um stick to what you know stick to what has been handed to you work with that um don't worry about trying to prove a universal right right that yeah the the biodiversity of 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 the folk repertoire of like folk practice not just like abstract things that we like law or like ideas, but like things people do, that biodiversity resists the archiving of the one true list, right? Yeah, 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 and 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 shows signs of a of a thriving like uh, engagement with the practice, which yeah. is which is so Ibn Arabi as well. I mean, more more than any other thinker in the you know Islamic mystical milieu, and and so much. I mean, you mentioned Corban earlier. So much what why Corban was so inspired by Ibn Arabi is the same notion that every individual has this uh, this mediatrix, which is uh, a sort of the the Lord, which is related to a divine name of God. Which you know we we say there's ninety nine divine names, but really there's an infinite amount of names of god and 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 divisions in this pluralism yeah. and it, it, ibn arabi really is like no every individual has this unique face or or was of of god this unique manifestation in which they might interact with the divine there is no single path in this mm-hmm. way which is uh, the and this mediatrics being what oftentimes gets called the imaginal which we hear on and on about but really this is this in between um that is unique for every person meaning mm-hmm. that it's it's going to look different for everybody there isn't this uh singularity no no and even in the texts themselves they 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 they're not singular learning that the the meccan revelations or the or the meccan illuminations as it gets translated sometimes the more popularly circulated one at least like just at his death was the the second draft he'd been working on for 2 years before he passed away and that this is the one that was like kind of unfinished uh in some ways or at least it was it, unfinished edits of a second edition of a finished first edition and um uh, quite, I can't remember who it was. I was, I was reading a, an essay on this that was arguing that like this is one of the other ways that these texts are still living. That like we don't have full translations of 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 of, of all of these texts into English. Um, not that that should be any kind of like 
marker of whether or not it's proper, but quite the reverse, that like the, that there are so many people using different parts of it in different ways that to speak of a definitive full translation of, I don't know, uh, of, of, of the Meccan revelations or of, uh, or of the Shums or whatever, like is, is demonstrating a lack of awareness of the, of the broader and complicated context of like, there are lots of, 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 of kind of not versions, but like iterations. Shall we his say? body of work mirrors it exactly uh, in yeah. that way. His prolific body of work, as as I was speaking about with Jesse just the other day, mm. people being I, I like, feel like it's yeah. still a pen that he programmed somewhere that is still writing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you also have to bear in mind that like a book might be like a scroll, right? I I, I I think about that when I look at like historical figures that have written thousands of books and I'm like still Although, yes, trying, to, trying to gnaw my way through finishing another one. It definitely has shorter passages, but there's some books that are hundreds of pages. <laughs> yeah. There's hundreds of those. And you're like, yeah. wait, wait, what is happening? You right. figure out how to harness his heavenly double, bring him to earth and make him right with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so William C. Chittick, uh, in, in, in his book on uh, Ibn Arabi, the heir to the prophets, claims of the 850 works attributed to him, that 700 are authentic and over 400 are actually still extant and that you can like yeah. find a version of. This, um, is the, this is the column, this is the Aleph, the, the pen that never stops yep. writing in the book of nature. <laughs> mm. and, when you, and, and when you become the perfected man, you, you partake of this and it, 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 does, it never really does end. Yeah. Which I, you know, this is, and it, I think the, the importance here to speak of it within the cultural context of, of a tradition which eschews the graphic and embraces solely the written word as the full expression of beauty, thought, and God. Um, that the that what that does to preserving philosophy and understanding every facet of permutation of thought as much as possible. Um, that the specifically the the community of Al Andalus that he's born into in southern Spain. Um, you know, this is this is uh, was it twelfth century? Um, yeah, eleven eleven sixty five. He's yeah. born. So this this no Andalus is in its in its heyday, right? Like, there's so much going on. He's half Berber. Um, and he's he's in a, a in an amazing area to soak up incredibly um, diverse thought and incredibly specific thought. And Al Andalus is very fascinating because of its heavy Jewish and Christian population, um, and because of this, the the I'm saying contagion in my head, and that's not what I actually want to say. The proximity to these <laughs> these other faiths and mm. the the preservation of the practice and pragmatism of Berber lore um, mm. for when you're traveling and the respect that the Berbers are given, um, the Amazing, that the there is this effect upon Andalusian thought where more weight is given to Mariam and Isa and because there's so many Christians. So they they figure like, well, this must be something that we have to investigate. So mm. Ibn Arabi is writing incredibly profound Christian mystery things um, because it, it's around him and he's thinking about it and engaging with Christians to talk about it. And there there is also this notion too, right, of like, as a to- Andalus was was a little bit more tolerant of uh, well a lot more tolerant than many cities of of people of different faiths and especially um, still giving preference to people of the book um, mm-hmm. and 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 written faith and also keeping their caste system intact in of like not too many people are allowed to convert because uh, Muslims get the taxes from the people who are not Muslim but uh, incredibly advanced 
cities, uh, plumbing, heating, all these things are provided. Uh, it, it is, uh, it's a quite impressive time to be, uh, a Muslim in, in Southern, in, in anywhere within the world, but certainly Southern Spain has this, uh, propelling force that happens for him to be the, the, the great reviver, the, the, the friend of God, the greatest teacher, right? It's, these are the unlimited merciful. Um, I mean, Miguel Palacios wrote a whole book called Sufism is Christianized Islam, a study of Sufism through the works of Ibn Arabi of Murcia. This is something that scholars still um, equate Ibn Arabi with. And, and even as I was mentioning earlier, this very sort of individualistic connection that every person has with the divine through the waj or the face or their Lord, who is this intermediary. Um, I mean, this has a kind of Christian flavor to it, I guess you could yeah. say. I can see why people would say it. Yeah, there's a, a, a John T. Little has written a, a bunch of stuff on on uh, Al Arabi, but uh, a line from from one of his um, analyses uh, particularly struck me about like how Al Arabi is like mm, past or or like what he is what 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 school of philosophy he's 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 pigeonholed into, uh, and Little says Western scholars in their attempts to categorize Ibn Al Arabi's uh, a complex system have tagged him with several labels, including pantheist, pantheistic monist, parentheist, existential monist, and exponent of what is called <laughs> natural mysticism. The doctrine that has earned him those designations is that of, uh, I'm sorry, the oneness of existence, yeah. or the unity of being. Um, and, and yeah, this this idea that like you can say everything's one, and they're like, but what do you mean by that? What kind of everything is one? Let's 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 put you in a let's 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 put you in a department uh, <laughs> where you can't talk. About he it. I mean, he becomes so much this darling of the perennialist school, right? Of uh, Rene Guénon and and so yeah. many of these figures who see all of the religions as kind of embodying this one single truth, and I mean, they eat this stuff up. I, I whether that's whether he deserves to be that darling, you know, I, I'm, right, I'm right. not going to say, but yes, many people have projected onto Ibn Arabi a, a variety of things, a plurality, plurality of things. <laughs> so we've been talking about his 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 writings and his ideas. I, I, I wanted to ask either of you if there are any particular like biographical details of uh, Ibn al-Arabi that you're uh, especially interested in. I like this this story of like of how he supposedly goes into his religious seclusion at 16, uh, which is supposedly at like some dinner party where he's like, uh, it's so it's it's Abra Ahmed uh, Shahi in, in their biography says he was about 16 uh, and there goes a story that was heard about 150 years after his death that he was at a dinner party which rounded off with wine and as he took the wine cup to his lips he heard a voice saying oh Muhammad, it was not for this that you were created that's that's in like the, in, in, <laughs> in hadas and this gives him the urge to quit worldly pursuits and embark upon the search of god there's there's another thing we can get to in a minute about um after he dies i, I am I'm, I'm always fascinated by like inverse hagiography and how you know, noble occult philosophers become uh, terrible necromancers uh, as soon as they're dead and can't defend themselves. Uh, there's a story about him in marrying j- uh, a gin wife as well. But I was, I was, I was wondering if there were any uh, particular like biographic details, uh, other than like where he was born, which is already, as you said, Jesse, like an extremely interesting and thriving kind of place. 
I mean, wine wine is such a staple in the Sufi tradition, in particular the Persianate Sufi tradition as a as right. a symbol. Um, although it, it doesn't always take on that particular context. So that's a really, really good story. But, I mean, wine makes me think of Khidr and much of my <laughs> research into Ibn Arabi um, goes into his relationship that he had with Khidr, who is uh, essentially this uh, disincarnate, non-incarnate mm-hmm. um, uh, spiritual teacher, his, his, his greatest <laughs> teacher. <laughs> what did you say? Para incarnate. Yeah. He can and, take physical form. <laughs> and 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 wine being um connected to the, the the waters of immortality in some sense, d- due to wine's intoxicating nature and, and due to it being the inspiration of, of the poets. And 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 Khidr is very much that this is his um th- th- these are the waters that he you know walks upon and swims in if you will um and and ibn arabi had uh quite a few interactions with khidr throughout his life um and khidr in his um uh tricksterish ways ibn arabi was like is is that khidr is that is that not khidr um but eventually dons the cloak and and this is something in in uh, sufi traditions to don the cloak of your uh, of your moshid or your your teacher um is to i am uh to, to become one with them in, in some sense, which gets into lover and beloved dynamics, which is also an important thing in Sufism. But but the wine uh, and the, the elixir of immortality or the waters of immortality erode these boundaries bet- the, between the two and, and, and bring them together in, into the one. Or yeah. as you mentioned, Al, the, the Wahdat the al-Wujud, um, and I, I, this interaction between um, Ibn Arabi and and Khidr, I, I, I find to be his most intriguing biographical details for me personally. Yeah, yeah. I guess I didn't really describe much about Khidr. Um, it's worth mentioning that um, he isn't named explicitly as such, but he's thought to uh, exist in this conversation with Moses in the 18th uh, chapter of the Quran. Um, Surat al-Kaf, the, the cave, um, where Moses is brought to a, a kind of state of perplexity or aporia um, as, as this figure who is thought to be Khidr. Um, uh, they they move through this series of interactions where Moses is is told to pay attention but to not question. And of course, Moses questions and, and Khidr ends up uh, through, through this sort of esoteric dialogue um revealing to Moses that he he does he he does not know in reality the the nature of of what he has seen and <laughs> that the 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 nature of the interactions that they went through together uh, go far deeper and are far more complex than than Moses could um could ascertain from the the particular instance and of course this is an interaction which is which is uh invoked many times in esoteric dialogues as the as a distinction between the the exoteric and the esoteric mm. and um khidr 
in his interactions continues to take on this this tricksterish role uh, as a teacher wherein he he does not teach in a in a linear fashion by any means and his very precarious position as someone who is both embodied and not embodied is is similar in this way right so uh, i mean for a figure like ibn arabi um a, a religious and philosophical genius unlike unlike essentially everyone in his time and around him. I mean, who else could teach him but Khidr, who mm. is this liminal trickster figure who is alive and not alive, who exists in this state of constant becoming and imagination that we call the Barzakh and, um, and, and is the inspiration for so much poetry is as well as the constant revitalizing of the word and of imagination and this is his reference as the green man right the green yeah. man being the one who can co continuously revitalize things can 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 wherever he steps the verdant emerges mm. right mm, mm, the verdancy of the world and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and it being in and out of the the particularities of of embodiment or, or conversation or 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 the one or the, or the or the current understanding you have of what you're talking about yeah 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 uh, i uh, uh yeah for folks who, who aren't aware uh jay actually did a whole class on hither uh, uh for the uh the mighty dead series that uh the cauldron black did which i believe is is on yes. their class archives as a recording people can yes. get into that if they're interested in in in, in hearing your dulcet tones uh explicate some some awesome and uh verdant ideas yeah it's linked it's linked on my website that's a really really great class and i i've been doing i've been doing more and more research into Khidr, um through my grad studies um in particular to uh mogul uh, depictions of him, um, and that's something that I'm going to be talking about more. Right, that fish. On the, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> on my site and on the Patreon. But I, I just did. I did want to mention, in the same way, Ibn Arabi's teacher, primary teacher, being Khidr, this uh, doctrine of, uh, or perhaps not a doctrine, but this notion of the insan al kamil, um, which Al, you had mentioned, we should uh, talk about. Yeah, the doctrine of perfect more, man, the yeah. perfected man, which is extremely important to Ibn Arabi's thought. And uh, in in Ibn Arabi's thought, the 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 perfected man or the perfected person, I don't think there's a need to to give it a sex or gender. Is is this being who? exists in the same liminal space where we find Khidr in the 18th chapter of the Quran, in the cave, um, and in this realm which is referred to as Barsakh, which is uh, an isthmus or a, a, a division between what is oftentimes salt water and fresh water, or an isthmus, just anything that is a barrier between two places or two worlds. And ah. Ibn Arabi is very... Um, it, it's important that um, the, the the perfected person grows out of this liminal in between, which is the imagination. And for Ibn Arabi, this figure of the perfected person is the, um, th this is where the manifestation of the theophany occurs. This is mm. also extremely important for figures like Korban, who go on to yeah. um, speak about Ibn Arabi, where God manifests or the theophany manifests in this figure in this figure of the perfected 
perfected person um, as being uh, the one who straddles these two worlds, the worlds of the worlds of manifestation on one hand or the terrestrial and the divine world or the world of potentialities on the other. The one who can um, stand between, if you will, Ibn Arabi considers to be the, the perfected person and, and Khidr being the one who walks in this realm perpetually, who is the very embodiment of this world, which is evergreen, right? Because it it's never um it's it's not fully alive and it's not fully dead. And this notion of verdancy comes from comes from this. It's it's in constant renewal and it's in constant um proximity to the divine realm. Um this this is this is why Khidr is Ibn Arabi's teacher, because Khidr <laughs> is the one who who can teach about what, what it is to embody perfection in, in this way. And it becomes like, a, a from, what, from what I can gather, it becomes like a, a super important thing, not just for the theology of, if I put it like that, the, the theology of God, but also of like the theology of, of, of religion, right? Um, reading more of that uh, uh, article by uh, John T. Little, he, he he talks about how Ibn Arabi compares an object being reflected in countless mirrors to the relationship between God and his creatures. And so God's essence is seen as the uh, existent human being, as, as God is the object and human beings, the mirror. And, and what Little says is that means two things. Firstly, that since humans are mere reflections of God, that there can be no distinction or separation between the two. And secondly, that without God, the creatures would be non-existent. Right. And especially when we bear in mind that you may see Allah in, in the mirror of Muhammad, peace be upon him, that 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 Muhammad is the best proof of God. And thus, by knowing Muhammad, one knows God. Right. These these become instantiated in a lot of uh, uh, Arabi's thinking on 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 prophethood and on uh, on on our reflections on on those prophets. Exactly. This being the place, the, the the perfect person being the place of prophethood. And of course, the prophet Muhammad, at least peace be upon him in Ibn Arabi's mind and in the mind of um, all Muslim mystics and theologians, um, him being the the perfect man or the perfect person for, yeah, yeah. for, for his time, right? Yeah, when when the individual it's a little says when when an individual understands that there is no separation between human and God, they begin on the path of ultimate oneness. The one who decides to walk in this oneness pursues the true reality and responds to God's longing to be known. So there's also that little thing, Jesse. We've been we've been batting back and forth a little bit about like that which you are seeking is also seeking you. The idea that this um, fight in the anamnesia, if you you know of uh, playing on the anamnesis pun but that Ibn Arabi's early distinction right between rational thought which is taught um and an unveiling which is Gnostic flash of insight and that the the unveiling of the different lights which although Corbin um Corbin as I hear him in my head um (laughs) uh uh is primarily dealing with Persian Sufism um in Man of Light but uh, talking, you know, again, green is the green is the closest color to God here. Green is is not a primary color. Green is something that is exists in the the transition and closeness to the spiritual realm and the bridge between the two. And that Muhammad is perfectly green, and that because we cannot experience Allah's light, the Nur here in this realm, that green is our closest expression. Mm. Um, and that the unveiling of this also, if we're taking unveiling as revealing then 
Jannais, right? The Garden of Eden is that which is also Jin, right? It's hidden. It's the same root that, that exactly. we, can, we can no longer see the garden. And the, perf- the place where we are perfectly in greenness, in proximity to God, exists still, but it is a state. And this is where we see Arabi really starting to go from this incredible literalism, which he finds to be very dull, to, to understanding the importance of everything as uh, metaphor and uh, metonym, perhaps both, uh, in, in the approach to the nature of, of ourselves, which is erasing and unveiling the, the lack of separation, that there is that, that, that greenness. It's an essential part of our nature. It reminds me of the, in Tibetan, the phrase rung, rungbap, I think, is to sit back, to fall back into that when you uh, are, you know, in this attaining of enlightenment, quote unquote, that it's not something that you suddenly find. It's something you settle back into because it's always been your nature all along. Hmm. Um, and this, the similarly to this, you know, the, we, we talk this kind of strangeness that can happen in the perennialists and even the, the, the pseudo perennialists like Blavatsky um, of like the veils of Isis and, you know, seeing the nature of God, but this becomes like an active thing as opposed to the insights that Arabi talks about that, that the observation of the natural world will allow for flashes, green flashes, um, which then re-garden yourself. It brings you flashes of the garden that -hmm. you will go back to or already exist in in some way. And this is the the true state, right? Where where visions happen, visions are perfect, visions are uh, from God, and that the anything that brings you closer to God is of God. And then the this notion of like, we joke with Iblis, right? And I love the, because I send them to Jay a lot of the like, sister Minnie, no, you must not do this when the cat is doing something wrong. We like, oh. this, <laughs> um, it's like, no, don't go in the bar. You, this is for Iblis. Um, <laughs> but, um, the, the, the real, real effort Ibn Arabi makes to, like, to put a correlation between our internal darkness, um, the silence of Iblis the regret, but the truth that Iblis exposes, the the hidden places within us as the potential where we must allow light to permeate, um, that the permeability of light in creation is the revelation of God, and that this un- is what unveils us, that things become true by the amount of light we just let come through. And that is what, for me, makes him Sufic, right? This, that it's, it's an inherent uh, state already um but the body of light if we're going to follow corbin's thought is still something that must be maintained and built that we're not inherently immortal even <laughs> that we have needs of immortality but the body of light as something that like khadir to to build a green body of light and if you're going to go into further examples that like obviously start to influence people like gurdjieff and ospensky and those and the people of the fourth way thought but that we are becoming human none of us are born fully human we don't we have not tapped the potentials of what our 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 body is what our clay is Mm -hmm. and that it is our job as much as anything to breathe god back into ourselves Mm -hmm. uh, and and animate the clay animate the waters of populace and and bring something forth yes yes this this notion of like sitting back into uh i want to say enlightenment but like a a, a, a hopefully a, a closer to enlightenment thing makes me think of uh is a, a passage when i was going through the um uh 
one of the uh, Ibn Arabi texts that gets translated as the seven days of the heart or just gets called daily prayers sometimes it's it's the 14 prayers for the the day and night of each of the days of the week yep. um, yeah. and in their intro they're talking about just the difficulty of translating um the term that sometimes it's just devotional prayer um weird weird w-i-r-d arvat in, in in plural they say it's difficult to translate into english because the arabic root carries connotations of arriving, reaching, appearing, or being received. They say for the nomads of the desert, the root primarily refers to a watering place or well where travelers come to drink. And in the context of spiritual practice, the term weird uh, itself is, is normally applied to private devotional prayers at specific times of day or night. And they're super erogatory acts, like, so they're in addition to the five prayers prescribed for, you know, being a good Muslim. Um and yeah, just the idea of 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 receiving uh, uh, as well, right? Of 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 being uh, being watered, looking into the wine cup, right? Oh, you know the the taking on the mask of Layla, <laughs> allowing <laughs> the seed that is planted or the clot that is planted to bear fruit within you, and because this is this is a common the commonality, especially between uh, rabbinical Judaism and Islam, right? There's that Allah is responsible for everything about you. That that that. The God of Abraham is responsible for everything about you except your decision to be virtuous or evil. It's the one thing he will not influence because that's you. <laughs> so um, everything else is, is you know, footnotable. Don't blame me, bro. Yeah. He's like, really? That's really what it is. He's just part of academia. It's the, 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 the opposite of the scorpion trying to, trying to cross the river on the, on the frog's back. I, I didn't know what you were when I picked you up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess the, the kind of bringing back here, um, and I think about this, um, talking about unveiling and um, insights and hidden things brings us, because I do want to return to Lunar Mansions because it's such a, a broad topic, and it's one that I know that is almost so broad, it's almost a shame uh, to, to ask you to talk about it in any short manner. But also, by way of the moon card, mm-hmm. which, um, as far as our, our kind of go, um, you know, the, the two little doggies howling, and, and there's a stream, and it's the it's the opposite of an isthmus, um, actually. But um, the, the, the association still of um, deception, hidden things, uh, unveiling dreams that that come with the moon card the mm-hmm. the the nature of illusion and deception that is heavily carried by the moon here um which is interesting because at least in the rider weight it still has yod lights right there's still this yeah. primal flame of god um that's 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 raining down like nectar so there's still truth despite the you know the and i think we t- I t- i'm always going to bring up that it reminds me of the never ending story the way those two towers are there that the you know i always feel like sphinxes are going to like shoot their eyeballs at me and uh, specifically, this this lobster slash crayfish slash um, pseudo crab that is there, and the the emotionality of that. But um, the, that, li- the little yodes invoking the the semen mysteries once again. Yeah. It, it, the dew, yeah. the dew that impregnates. Yeah. The uh-huh. nature, but the, the, the 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 making the white one red, as you were, as yeah. as it be. Um, yeah, so the so the moon has like it's uh, weight says that it has sixteen chief and sixteen secondary rays, so it has sixteen big little rays coming out of its face and sixteen little ones, and then there are there are fifteen uh, fertilizing dewdrops of these these moistures spreaded in this in this yod shape, uh, which makes me think of like is the sixteenth already like fallen to earth and is like already in the process of germinating or not? 
That's because the 15 are the Beheni. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's Glad you said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jay's like, now I'll quote you and I won't have to be told I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in breach of contract. There's, 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 there's a, you know, a big, there's, there's a lot of tensions going on in, in the moon, right? Like down to, is it two dogs or is it a dog and a wolf? Right. And, and various people have, have speculated on how that's Lycos Lucos, like the wolf that, that is the light um versus uh, uh whatever there are two wolves inside you right. there are two wolves inside you yeah yeah exactly yeah um uh that looks uncomfortable yeah um so the, the but, the, but the main tension really is like with with the fact that the moon is the the is is the thing of night right and and thus all those hidden enemies and danger and uh and darkness and uh you know occult forces uh but also it's 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 the fear of those things as opposed to their well but as well as or as, as opposed to their their reality as well we're back to the the fundamental like phlegmatism of the moon and its um ability to inspire the imagination that like liminal mirror to be able to affect ourselves by the things we worry about or the or the or the hopes we have the the construction of like future events that we are now reacting to the construction of we're we're constructing we we're creating simulacra or, 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 or images made in the imaginal that are then provoking these uh, the, the, the sense of the the fears of the natural mind, as as Waite puts it, right? That he says it's the life. The card is the the life of the imagination apart from the life of the spirit. So without that guiding like principle of of, of spirit, we we are at the risk of making a million monsters for ourselves. There there is this distinct difference between what we've been talking about with Ibn Arabi and humanity being re- the reflection or the the mirror image of God and the the moon card you know getting such a bad rap not being you know, this this face and profile that is seen on the on the moon card in many of the decks being less humanity more broadly but um as you're saying Al humanity's um paranoias and fears and addictions and this the sort of connotation that the card tends to get which i, I i'm not sure is is necessarily I, I guess there's also um connotations of of dream as well dream weaving um mm-hmm. but it it altogether tends to get a pretty bad rep um which i'm not sure is is worth it um the 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 following card the sun it's just even in the the differences of of the the faces the face as i said in the moon card being in uh profile or almost like a silhouette and the sun looking directly at you at least in the mm-hmm. rider weight deck and and the difference between these things um the sun in the tarot taking on more of the qualities of 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 humanity without the um without the addictions and the fear and and the and the problems and the issues um so um uh, right if we yeah, were all just if we were all just that, rational yeah. white people about this then wouldn't it all be much clearer the but. sun <laughs> welcome to the sun <laughs> well yeah i mean deadweight ends up saying the intellectual light is a reflection and beyond it is the unknown mystery which it cannot reveal so there's definitely this like privileging of the sun over the moon in 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 that exactly but it, I love I, going back to this, you know, off the cuff remark of the 15 being the Beheni, but we did talk about the moon's ability to harness the power of the fixed stars and bypass the 
<laughs> the planets in that way. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. That's canon for me now. Yeah. 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 So like that. that, that, that idea of the Yods descending, I was like, I've never really given that um, thought before, but the, the moon's ability to be the, the mirror for that, which is above it and disseminate it in a, in a mitigated, nurturing, uh, partera, uh, midwifed way. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the, specifically the Rider Waits moon's expression is like, I can't tell, you know, I've always wondered, is, like, is this a birthing pain? Is this a, <laughs> is this a pooping? Like, why is, why is that <laughs> so agonized? But oh, yeah, yeah, there is, um, now I'm really kind of liking the, like the, the nectar that comes down. That's like, I will, uh, be the filter, you know, the, the catalyst for this other knowledge that's there. But I, this is also the epithet of Iblis that Al mentioned earlier, which I, I can I can sort of see in this vein how the card gets a bad rep as the as the moon collecting the energies, gathering and piling on top of one another all of these different energies. Mm-hmm. And the moon in the Sufic tradition oftentimes being associated with a kind of black light, like was mentioned earlier, this the the mysteries of the lights. Um, seen most prominently in the Persian mystic Sura Vardi, you mentioned Korban and the and the and the and the black light. But um, this this being this darker aspect, moon as gatherer of the lights and 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 blackness and and the black hole which pulls within it. Um, you know that that is dangerous depending on what is being pulled into it. And if one is at that stage, um, in, in the same way of associating it with Iblis, it is um, it, it is purely, it, it is myopic, as Iblis is, is known to be, and it right. is not, um, it, it is not giving out as, as the sun does. Um, th- this is almost the the entrapment or or the danger, which which is uh, needs to be at least in this. Um, the mystery of the lights needs to be passed through the the danger of passing through the stage of the black light and its absorbative qualities. Right? Mm. There's a there's a piece of like and going back over uh, uh, old old weight uh, on 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 this card particularly that he also talks about it illuminating our animal nature. And so on the one hand, you still have that like. Oh, the you know the the moon is the is the is the is the unconscious is the subconscious is all the stuff that we wash our hands of and repress uh, uh, rationally. Uh, but also, he says that the message is peace, be still, and it may be that there shall come a calm upon the animal nature, while the abyss beneath shall cease from giving up a form. So there's also this notion that the moon carries within it, like a again that settling into a uh, a, a, a tranquility, um, as well as all of the the terrible like puppeting of our fears that it 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 uh it, it magnifies it's 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 good you bring up the this animal quality this is particularly emphasized in the greek magical papyri in the prayer to mene um wherein the different lunar stations take on these animal forms um mm-hmm. many of them being associated with hecate in mm. particular, but this is something that permeates the literature uh, around the lunar mansions in general. These different animal forms that become associated with um, the different lunar stations. I mean, and this is not this is not dissimilar to what we're what Jesse's touching on um, with the the constellations and the stars. I mean, the Beheni are particular stars which 
of course, exist in constellational contexts, but um, star constellations oftentimes being the forms of animals, right? Yeah. Um, and the different animal constellations that uh, the moon in its absorbative and mirror-like and reflective qualities um, takes on these different, um, th these images, right? Which many of them are of these, um, the, these, these mysterious and phonic uh, dark dimensions of, of folklore and of magic and, and, and all of the things that uh, go bump in the night, if you will. That that's that that's 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 my favorite quality of of the lunar stations and and I mean approaching it from the context of the moon card and 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 musing off of what Jesse was saying of the different yodes um, and their relationship with stars it's like that is that is what a lunar mansion is a lunar mansion is the moon's ability to reflect the starlight as well as the darkness um, around any particular star. Um, to create a, a sort of third dimension in between. And one, one mm. is doing lunar mansion magic. One is attempting to tap in through the language of images, letters and numbers also being images in my mind. One is attempting to tap into this uh, in-between mirror-like space between the terrestrial dimension, wherein these different uh, animal forms or um, uh, embodied forms Forms that we're talking about may exist in a more familiar context with um, the way that they then exist in the darkness of the night sky, seen through the abstraction of constellations and, and star forms, the moon being this uh, mediating force like we've been talking about with Jibril and, and Populous and many of these other things between these dimensions and, and this, uh, the, the starlight through the mirror that is the moon, um, or the observing the yodes through the mirror that is the moon. This is lunar mansion magic, as well as just what a lunar mansion is. Yeah, of course, it's not described in that way. Like most lunar mansions would just be described as a, a breakdown of the same 360 degree um, uh, movement of the of the sun and moon. But right. in reality, I think it is more of this interplay between um, the terrestrial and the celestial through this strange funhouse mirror that is the moon. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful way of putting it. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is one of the beauties of the nakshatras is emphasizing making sure that there is a star that governs each mansion that is that is less. Um, there are certainly stars mentioned in, in Arabic sources and and in some uh, filtered down versions of, of of lunar mansions, but the West's inheritance is primarily Muslim, and and then as you're pointing out that there's an inheritance from ultimately from from the nakshatras but this notion of a of a star governing each mansion or 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 division in that way is very much evident in the nakshatras wow that was a really long-winded yeah. way to say that i'm sorry um <laughs> oh no absolutely that was at the 16th yard was in the mouth of the dog that's facing the moon um <laughs> uh, like a dog catching snowflakes um Aww. so i guess then with with lunar mansions and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the 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 dumb one for a minute because um, it gets called things like the lunar zodiac, right? Like there's there's this there's this still this notion of taking the the sky and dividing it into a certain number that has equal segments 
that yeah. already that equality shows that the people who developed the systems understood that this was not actually re- revelatory of the constellations, but was referencing constellations um, uh, or markers within those constellations because, you know, Pisces and Aries are not the same. It was inspired by astrophysics rather than being astrophysics. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then all, everything starts, all sciences owe their origin to astrology, right? Like that's, that's, that's the, um, my, my 20th century concepts of space time and matter teacher at at nyu but uh the sleepwalkers is that the book it's a really good book that goes into the history of like going through mesopotamian through um, modern astronomy and everything that goes with that but with the lunar mansions um it feels like their inclusion in any part of the western canon much like the beheni are solely for image magic by which to obtain a certain amount of magical result and one of the things that attracts me to uh, Ibn Arabi's divisions is that there is more, there's also an inner work that then can be engaged with that is not just for um, exterior result. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly where we get it filtered by the time people are referencing Agrippa's three books. Like, it, it, while he does describe some of their complexity, the, the, the chapter on the mansions of the moon is literally like this, this seventh image is such and such and it you know destroys a city or whatever it is yeah it's it, it's very much boiled down to image magic by that by 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 16th century promulgation by you know this swiss mercenary and and jesse and i were discussing this the other night but um i i'm really fond of um referring to the mansions this kind of uh theatrical metaphor and this, this is sort of how I see them or envision them, um, besides uh, the moon being mere each each station. Uh, another way that the lunar mansions are referred to is also as stations, mm-hmm. um, like way stations or stops in the road of travel, which, you know, I love that the moon card has this little path on it, at least in the mm-hmm. Rider Waite deck. It, it shows that the moon is associated with travel and as well, of course, uh, with timekeeping. Um, right. And... But but thinking about this little like theater troupe moving through, um, uh, d- you know, d- down the road, down the path, and and each place that they stop, the performance is a little bit different, and the crowd is a little bit different um, in each of these different stations or at each of these different homes, mm-hmm. um, and I, I like the the different ways that we might use the lunar mansions as you're referring to them in this more mystical context with Ibn Arabi, as many have done, especially in a more very, very, very modern context with the nakshatras of like spiritual evolution. And as you move along this wheel, you're growing in more and more spiritual attainment. Um, That's not something that I necessarily uh, use um, or value myself, but I can I I don't see why we couldn't ascribe it to the lunar mansions. But in in all of these different ways, even going as far as like talking about the distinction between uh, sidereal, which is uh, not taking into account the precession of the equinoxes or the wobble of the planet Earth on its axis, um, in comparison to the fixed stars, like. The lunar mansions are these places of gathering. Like we keep talking about the moon and how important it is that it it is gathering and collecting and things being piled on, right? 
And the the lunar stations or the lunar mansions are these houses where these gatherings occur. And as a part of these gatherings, all sorts of animals and spirits and personalities, as well as human dead, um, show up and 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 choose to reside there. And I think what what I love about the lunar mansions is that they're capable of holding all of these different things. Like you can you get the image magic where it's purely this results-based magic that you mentioned of like you carve this image and you write the spirit name to get this results um, that you can have that because those spirits who people have worked with the lunar mansions along those lines continue to reside in the home that is the, the lunar mansion as right. well as um, all of the mystical associations, which perhaps are the the writing or the calligraphy on the door to this home that is the lunar mansion, that um, the moon as as this collect as this uh, celestial body of collecting can hold all of these different things, and as it moves along its path in the sky, it's sort of like um, showing up at all of these uh, places which are its home and constantly continuing to gather, which is why you can, you can approach it through a sidereal angle, which is, which is not tropical, meaning that it's changing with the movement of the fixed stars based on the precession of the equinoxes. Or you also don't need to use these roughly 12 to 13 degree divisions of the 360 degree circle. And, the, and you can go back to the lunar mansions and their original conception is not being evenly divided, right? Just mm -hmm. as the constellations in the sky or the stars in the skies are not evenly divided in this way. Or you can use it as it is most often used in Western magic um, with a clean tropical zodiac, which is, you know, we're talking about stars. It seems a little bit strange, but people have used and continue to use more than anything else, the tropical zodiac for the lunar mansions. And the tropical zodiac is a solar system, literally, mm. uh, mind you. So to use that for the moon and the stars and to get effective results from it is fascinating i um but also goes to show how malleable these things really are right and how they can bend and form and shape um once again the strange funhouse mirror that is the moon um to however people are interacting with said mirror and reflect it back to them whether it's like I'm a Western magician who uses the solar zodiac or I'm going to abandon all these things altogether and just like, you know, look up and howl at the moon and um, <laughs> and do that kind of lunar mansion magic, which is its own thing. Uh, Parallel, I know I've spoken with you at both at length about this and uh probably on this show uh but this this and given a talk about it which is on the thing too so um the precedent is set but having <laughs> quoted um david heim smith's kind of exploration of uh voice breath and speech as uh, the the kind of sulfur salt mercury of uh a non-lurianic kabbalah um the alun school but that similar to of the consonants of Semitic languages being what is written down and that in order to read them, you must animate them with your breath, which is transmitted. Your knowledge of how to pronounce is transmitted. It is both a text that can be put, picked up, but if you've not seen that word before, you do not know how to pronounce it. Um, you must infer, you must have knowledge, which was originally transmitted breath to 
Adam, and then so forth down. So that the, the divine order of things is ultimately breath and vowels belong to God. And mm-hmm. that the clay of matter is likened to consonants. And so similarly, with, with the projection of the 28 letters through the 28 mansions, um, you also get the fact that these consonants cannot be pronounced on their own. They must be animated by the breath of God, by Ruh, right? So this the it is not making a sound on, on an, in and of itself because there's no vowels necessarily being added. However, hmm. that consonant, as I think it's Bookhart that actually goes into that, right? Of um, if one <laughs> takes into account that the fact that the initial hiatus is not properly speaking a sound, but only a transitory instant between silence and locution, the series of sounds attributed to the lunar mansions begins with the hud and ends with the wow. These two letters composing the divine name Hua He, symbol of the essence, one and identical to itself. So th- there's this notion there, two things. I mean, the, the, the fact that Huwa is in there, and this is such a start of many Sufic circles, right? Uh, and Hu, uh, Allahu. But the, the, the instance between silence and locution, the, the, the letter is itself an isthmus. And when observed and understood as the, um, the way that nature illuminates the perfection of God, that the isthmus that is now the letter and the breath and the filtering of the great universal that is there behind the moon is now animated by our recognition of it and the ability to speak within that uh, isthmus, to, to be greened by the light of the moon. Um, mm-hmm. the, the moon illuminates the essential greenness in that way um, mm-hmm. of he who is we. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it, it's something I, I mean, I, I taught a class recently at, attempting to to make a connection between these very, very ancient um, drawings and signs in caves with stars and and the lunar mansions, which, of course, I'm not the first to make that connection. Many people have speculated on these different dot patterns in caves and how they might be akin to proto-constellations or stars but I, I following the same notion that you're you're sort of getting out of like uh what what i've called the archaic language of the moon which in some sense is just the observation that the light and shadow that the moon makes fo- has has forms and, and and reveals different forms which look like letters the mm-hmm. new moon being the the the, the darkness or uh, an openness or a fullness and the vice versa of that, the full moon, similarly, a, a, a closeness or a fullness, a half moon being its own thing, a crescent moon being its own thing. And this forming a, a letter up in the sky, which may be observable. And this is, a, this is uh, to me, the earliest example of how we can associate a letter with uh, a particular lunar station, because the lunar stations are also the phases of the moon, of course. And like, you know, as Al referenced, this connection between Jibril and and language and the, the geomantic letters, as well as um, the, the revelation, of course, of, of um, the, this book of nature and the Quran and the holy texts, the, the associations of these different letters with the moon are are akin to reading this book of nature, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to look a little different for 
for whoever is reading them. But um, this this association goes goes very deep, and of course, it goes deeper than just the Islamic tradition. As I mentioned, the Greek magical papyri also has this, where each of the lunar stations also has a sound associated with it. The first mm-hmm. one being silence, which mm-hmm. once again is that the full moon is that the new moon. This <laughs> this is this could go back and forth, of course, but um, this gets into even more ancient notions of of uh, Egyptian magic and speech and and magical speech and a connection to Thoth, which once again beyond the Islamic tradition, um, getting into Kabbalah and so many Western traditions of magic, you can see how the lunar mansions and their connection with magic can permeate it even beyond what was uh, brought from the the different Arabic texts like the Picatrix, wherein, um, you know, uh, Thoth and, 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 uh, his connection with magic goes to this sort of lunar alphabet that is that is being discussed in all of these other texts. Like there's many different approaches to this, and uh, it's just it's important that this notion of of speech or of the divine speech can also be observed uh, th- through the moon and not just what we're doing. That the open mouth of the full moon is also the ah of Aleph and the closed uh, mm-hmm. new moon is also the mm of, of the letter meme and how these letters come to be associated with these different phases or stations of the moon. It's it's embodied in this way in the sense that Jesse mentioned earlier of as above, so below in, in, the, in the sense of interpenetration as opposed to this exclusivity which you know is is so um misunderstood i guess right they're not running in parallel right that they that, that yeah we're not just talking about a hidden world that has no uh that is a parallel realm that never touches ours and never has any influence or anything to teach us exactly mm. i like how you're emphasizing that 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 notion of like it's you know the moon is as teaching as demonstrating as instantiating these letters by which we may learn a fluency of nature and a, a fluency of speaking of God and with God uh, and, and just how that maps both onto or, or has very terrestrial implications as well as all sorts of, you know, highfalutin stuff about uh, what's going on in the celestial realm. Yeah, it is inscribing directly onto earth. This is the, this is the first revealed segments of the Quran, right? In in Ikra, like we've been talking about. This is the column writing with light and shadow in yeah. into the terrestrial dimension. This these are the uh, God this is God's speech revealing itself through mm. through light and shadow, right? And to, to be able to read, to be able to read this, to read the book of nature, read the letters in the moon is very much Ibn Arabi's notion of the perfected person. The perfected mm. person, the Insan al-Kamil, is the one who is able to comprehend these signs, right? It's not it's not abstract and and as highfalutin as we oftentimes right. make it, or as I oftentimes <laughs> make it out to be, I guess. Like it it is that. I'm I'm very struck by the the way that these um the the terrestriali- terrestriality of of these of this lunar mansion work in these uh, in these early modern uh, cunning uh, workbooks because it Im- isn't image magic you you make a ring with some uh, make various rings with some words on them or or a hollow ring that you write words out and put them in but then the main thing is that you consecrate it 
and you trace letters. I don't even want to say sigils because they're like, they, they look more like sequences of and ligatures of letters are traced on the earth with the ring. Now you've consecrated it in order to, you know, make that meadow appear or, or make those men appear in, in armor or whatever it is. But like you are, you are touching it to your spittle and then to the, to the, to the earth, you are tracing something out with this point. And it's like, what is, I, I think Carl Sagan got it from, from someone else. Uh, I know one of you will know this, but the, like the two dimensional versus the three oh, dimensions. Yeah. The, it's, it's so flatland. Like that, that's <laughs> totally the way that I see it. And that's like, you know, where the, the, this inscribing, this active inscribing that we're talking about, whether it's the mm-hmm. ring or whether it's the column in the terrestrial dimension is like, we're in the flatland and Allah is in the three and the four and the 28th dimensional <laughs> inscribing and we're only getting what we're getting but right. well that's that's part of the beauty like and because i I can remember corban's uh still gonna say corbin in my mind but i'm trying to you know he was a sorbonne educated man um <laughs> but that, that the the alama mithal the imaginal realm is not does not consist of things we think of we visit the realm in our thoughts and and interpret it through our mortal ability, the best mm-hmm. we can, that our imaginative faculties unveil the hidden reality that is, you know, beyond Mount Kaf and, mm-hmm. and, and that exists in that hidden world that we can. And this allows for building off of what we talked about last time, Al, even this concept of legion, mm-hmm. that, that we are not perfect in our revelation. All revelation starts in the imaginal realm in this esoteric philosophy, right? So mm-hmm. this is an inheritance of Plato. This is an inheritance of Mandeism, um, of of the 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 world of light and the world of matter. But Alama Mithal is not something that we can directly perceive and interpret. Um, it it almost is the 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 problem where you can't observe the particle. You can observe the particle's place, but not its speed, or you can observe its speed. uncertainty. Yeah, Heisenberg's uncertainty <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah, Heisenberg is uncertain uncertainty principle. Well, that's wow, that's a lot of words. <laughs> uncertainty. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's something to that similarly here that that we can uh, perceive but not describe, or we can describe but not perceive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the the, the 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 souls of this or the population of this other realm, the 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 realm that is that is sometimes you know uh uh said to be the the continent Herkalia is uh which is all lovely uh, Ibn Arabi uh inheritance and Al Ghazali which is a great book right the incoherence of the philosophers um <laughs> it's it's bold, shame, but... right um but <laughs> it's I, super think bold. This, I think this uh Orban's uh assertion is important to understand that that there is no way that our lowercase nafs can perceive the imaginal realm in the way that the uppercase nafs can. Mm-hmm. And that although all revelation and all unveiling is inspired by, starts in, and exists uh, mithal, that it is it is impossible for us to claim that we are rep- that we are revealing the true revelation. Mm. And that this is part of the even the the reassertion and reification of the seal of the prophets, right? That the the the, yeah. the greenness of Muhammad, peace be upon him, is 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 not duplicatable. Like that the the revelation was so big at that time that it is not possible to 
to have as much revealed anymore and and because the world is not caught up to the revelation that is that revelation so un- until the world uh, actually works with what it has um <laughs> there's no reason for us to all start perceiving the other world with a unified voice in yeah. in that way the imaginal is is axial right and the concept of kutub in in the sufi tradition or the the axis or the pole which has its own associations with these things we've been talking about around light and and progressing through these and different Jibril. scales of light and Jibril. As the but, North Star, which is a whole other thing we could talk about. Yeah. But it's like you it's at the center of everything. You're you're always moving around it. You're you're never you're never it. You're always moving around it. And even the even the perception and the accuracy that knowing that Kutub as the as the North Star is moving itself, that it still orbits something that we can't see. Yeah, exactly. It is not actually stationary. And this is the thing is because it's called a stationary star across the board. But to understand that the, the observation is it's not stationary. <laughs> it itself it orbits because it's not actually in the center right now. Okay, so within that center, within that um that sense of the green uh, center, if you will. The green center. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there we are. There we are. We're greening. We're greening and we're greening like, and a, like, greening. A, like, and we're like, a, like, yeah, yeah. A, a beautiful tour guide. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's talk Jade just briefly since it's, yeah. it's on the docket as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jasmine, aka Oriental Jade. So it gets called in the, uh, in the European lapidaries. That's all. I mean, if you, I, 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 I picked Jade out of, out of sheer solidarity with my Mesoamerican, um, uh friend here uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh awesome yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so so uh, you did you did you brought up mount kof though as yeah, well which is absolutely. which is referred to as the emerald mountain but why not the jade mountain as well mm-hmm. yeah right? uh and jabusa are, are are equally why not yeah to be the emerald city they could be the yeah jade absolutely city. yeah there's uh, just this greening as a concept it is although we can't um say with certainty that it would be directly parallel to Mesoamerican conceptions because we've lost so much freaking interpretation because of colonization. Uh, not what the episode's about. That jade itself, and specifically nephrite jade, which is uh, mm-hmm. New World jade, uh, the green stone is uh, life itself. And that this conception of watercolored, the color of that which nourishes, is locked into its mysteries the the, the the like more very familiar with the course of like the aztec um uh mexica uh of the jade skirt which is the deity of fresh water but this notion of jade itself of being preciousness that to have jade in your name implies preciousness or um uh special properties that 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 are worthy of being kept or hoarded even I also am fascinated with because the Aztecs inherit this obsession with jade. Although turquoise itself, um, in the northern uh, reaches of like where the Aztecs were from, the, the Four Corners region of the states, you do see the use of turquoise in the American Southwest as something very similar. Turquoise is considered to be the lower little, little brother or the lesser cousin of jade. Um, it's not as valuable, but jade itself is not one stone. It's just things that look really green. Um, and get called this nephrite jade, which is used in earplugs, in jewelry, in mosaics, that even the dust that's made from making other things is then reconstituted and pounded in with tree resins to make things green. That it echoes the sacredness of blue-green things like quetzal feathers, um, which the, you know, the, the, the 
the Tlatoani and the chiefs had these quetzal feathers decorating of things. There's a, a small bird which makes two tail feathers that are like pheasant feather length and they're just they're blue green. Um, mm-hmm. Very endangered because you know it only makes two feathers and they got hunted a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the notion of greenness that is tied in this, I, I think, is is directly in in the import and their in, the intertangledness with the idea of life and uh, a symbol of divinity and, and evidence of divinity. Um, that the that the votive axes that were thrown into the cenotes, which are these giant giant sinkholes, right, that contain water that were always viewed as portals to the underworld, especially in Southern Mexico and, and Central America with the Maya of um, that. We, we, we came out of the caves from the lower world. You know, if you're in the Southwest United States, the Sipapu constant of the Hopi and the, the Pueblo of coming out of the, of the ground and coming out of the Chich, uh, Chichimostoc, the, the place of seven caves, but the womb of the earth is what birthed us into this current world. And that the preciousness of water, that blood itself is jade water, not because it's green, but because it's precious. So I, I, I think there's a, there's a lot there with jade. It is something that I think I, I remember. Just, I wish I could find the quote, but there's a wonderful Frida Kahlo quote about like, "Don't fucking touch my jade," basically. Um, <laughs> um, and you know, kind of her, you know, she she's a controversial figure because she's so popularized. And, and there's a whole other thing there. And Frida Kahlo is probably her own dead magician in her own right. But, you know, the fact that she's reclaiming her own Mexicanidad because she's half Hungarian. She's half Hungarian Jew. And she's she's playing up her, her indigenousness and, and playing on the cultures of her maids that she had mm-hmm. growing up. And, like, you know, trying to kind of develop this, this other image, um, which is all born out of a socialist impulse and an early childhood of, of, of you know, fucking shit up. Um but but that this life experience itself would be jade. This is all <laughs> precious life. This is all precious water. That our interaction with the thing that makes life. That that if we want to borrow from the other side of like that God knowing the world through us, I, I think is really, uh, yeah. I'll stop there. It it has that chidur like quality to it. Um, in, in its greenness and in its sense of revitalizing. And I, I, I think of it in the context of uh, the, the jade masks for Maya rulers uh, in their, in their tombs as, as well as these jade beads, which are placed in the mouth of, of Maya dead, which, you know, continue in, in the same sense to uh, revitalize um, and, and keep the verdancy of that uh, particular being um Pass their their the death of their physical body in this way to to keep them connected to the this isthmus of the imaginal right this this dwelling of of khidr. and um I, jade just has I, I know of course jade was used for for many different things but in the context of the dead I find it particularly interesting especially this notion of keeping it close to the mouth and everything we've been talking about with the breath. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the day sign, how for the Maya being linked to, uh, the flower, which emerges out of the mouth, the, the, the flower, or even the butterfly, which is the soul of, of the dead person or, or of the person. Um, and the, this green bead of jade being the, the thing which continue to, which can continue to actualize this process or to keep it fresh, even like, um, like a great piece of orbit gum <laughs> for the, the, the dead. The distilled precious nectar of life, right? Yeah. 
It's it's said in some of the medieval lapidaries that jade can cause the milk remaining in camel's teats to flow. So this notion of like spurring life, uh, especially like life uh, for 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 you know a desert creature is is, is really interesting. Mm. I could use some of that. Although I, you know, there there of course I, I just want to make sure I'm clarifying because I can feel people that I know will be like you misspoke. There is obviously an understanding of what quote unquote true jade is nephrite jade specifically. Um, and 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 jadeite um, that there are in um, pre-Columbian Mesoamerican jade. There's geological and social jade. Um, the first one refers to jadeite, um, and the other one is anything that looks like it. <laughs> so there was an understanding of the color itself bearing importance, and some of it is they're not as rare as jadeite, uh, nephrite jade, but it, it's still um, carries the same social function, and mm-hmm. here you see substitutions, right? Like this is this is what it is, and and I think there's um, uh, I remember early twenties and taking classes in 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 uh, Mesoamerican uh, symbolism and color theory and things like that, and uh, one of the things that you'll come across in, in in Mesoamerican art interpretation is that um, it's such a weird mix of representational and non-representational and because the color theory is not as 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 evident it's it's not european is what i'm trying mm-hmm. to say um and because the the language itself thinks so differently especially we're talking about like nahuatl or or chol or or any of the the Amaran languages of of, of mexico it, it just does it phrases things so differently that like the idea of of painting a deity in certain colors does not necessarily mean that that's the deity's colors hmm. that, that women are painted in yellow. That's just how they're painted. Um, and that there's the gemstones that were, you know, this is showing certain qualities of things in the same way that, you know, it, we all come up with symbols as to how our art language develops within our cultures. You know, every child draws a nose almost the same, but that is not how a nose looks in any mm-hmm. shape or form. I mean, they, the sun does not look like a child's sun, <laughs> um, you know? So it's these, these languages of, um, uh, of representation and communication, especially since um, the preciousness of of language and what that is, to to the the, the recent research, especially into thing uh, to uh, post conquest like Mexico City, to understand that the Aztecs actually had libraries, whereas before it was usually erased out and said that they were illiterate, um, mm-hmm. but they had a pictographic form of writing that is incredibly. It's being studied more and more. Uh, obviously, the Maya had writing. And there, you know, the, 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 I remember being in sixth grade and being told that the Maya just dramatically disappeared. And I was mm-hmm. like, I, I have family that are Maya. I'm confused what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, um, oh God. But it, it, it's, it's, it's a strange, it's the, well, the, well, the, the disappearance of, of, of Native American inheritance of, of, of these continents is its own form of malefic magic, yeah. but um, through erasure. But uh, it's just I, Jade. Jade is is ancestry. Jade is the dead. Jade is uh, so strong the dead for me that like you know wearing anything close to greenish turquoise or or that green uh, feels ancestral. It 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 just I it, it evokes it for me in a way that I don't know anything else uh, that that has that feeling for me, and mm-hmm. it's incredibly. I wish that I could say that this is cultural, but I'm going to be quite honest. This is just assumed by having learned a lot about the stone 
And like, uh, I, although Jade is a precious gift in like on both sides of my family, I have Jade from both grandmothers. That was because they were children of the 20th century and like in the 50s and 60s, like you wanted Jade and mm. it came, you know, came from China. But like now I'm like, it's it's like, oh, it's continuing an ancient ancestry that is like, I, I, mean, <laughs> I wish I could say that. But no, but for me, it is ancestry because of how much I've dedicated towards trying to un- to to learn what it is. No, thank you. Thank you so much for com- for coming on, Jay. I, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. But uh, I, I, I feel like we should we should have you back um, with your, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, if uh, if all goes well, we we would love to uh, honor your your invitation to to chat with you on on yours on your podcast. So yeah, tell us a bit more about your podcast. What have you been up to of late, and what do you uh, what do you got planned? Thank you. This has been a lot of fun and I would love to come back and talk some more. I have a podcast called A Star Night Dwell and Al has been on the show before talking mm-hmm. about the Star of the Magi. It's a great show. Um, it was a lot of fun. Like, yeah. seems like a, a long time ago. That was summer solstice of 2022. Yeah. Um, hope, hoping to do more of the show. Um, and of course, would love to have you both on. Um, I will. I have some ideas for uh, points of conversation, but I, I won't say that yet. <laughs> and the the show tends to tends to focus on a particular asterism, celestial phenomena. We've done stars, we've done planets and signs, this kind, this sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and then. Um, hooking up with a guest who I feel like uh, aligns with or has a project that aligns with that particular phenomena. So like I said, Al came on and we talked about uh, the Magi. Is that something that Al knows a lot about? And um, and then, you know, one thing leads to another thing, just like this conversation and hopefully turns into uh, greater and greater discussions. And uh, yeah, it's sort of like, finding a way to talk about lots of things with the stricture of uh, celestial languages. So in that spirit, um, just to reiterate, um, you also recently opened a Patreon. Yes. So, so that we can get things like a podcast out of you more easily. Um, so uh, we will link to said Patreon and any other links you would just to permit us to use uh, when we do the show notes uh we uh, we are always negligent ourselves at, at uh, reminding that there there's a name and there's a website for this podcast, RadioFreeGolgotha.com, that has all our old episodes and um, our upcoming uh, talks and things like this uh, that we are both doing. So that way, if you are hearing this in the distant future um, or the distant past, which would be kind of awesome if that was the case. <laughs> uh, that, that you may see what is current by going to the website rather than have us trapped in time dangling a carrot of something that you can no longer attend. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, it is recorded and you can visit, <laughs> which is often the case with things given through certain partnered places like the Salem Summer Symposium, or, which is Swiffer now, right? It's Salem Witchcraft Folklore Festival. Um, and uh, or Cauldron Black or or any of the various permutations. I know Al has an extensive archive of and an increasingly larger archiving 
of uh, classes that he does. Um, I'll get back out there eventually after I wish to be perceived more. Um, <laughs> but, um, and 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 uh, I'm I'm quite proud of our our, our close circle of, of of friends and and chosen family and um, uh, our our precious Jade spit into the mouths Aww. of our friends. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and this is the part of the show where I say, uh, we are going to pull it all together through extended metaphor, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) as as is our want. So, uh, unless, uh, is there anything else that we need to, uh, do the housekeeping of, uh, there's another speakeasy, the dead coming out at some point. Um, this is a, a, a tremendous success. I will say, uh, thank you, Jay, not just for the topics and the discussion tonight, but this is our third month in a row where we've actually gotten a podcast out. And I say that mm-hmm. because it will Yay. happen done this soon enough. And uh, that trend is lovely. Um, and there's a lot of things that we would like to continue doing. And, and we're seeing how doable this actually is. So yep. thank you for being a part of, of this and our continued experiments. Um, we have our own, dare we say, Patreon plans um, that we're hoping to unveil soon. But um Go support everyone, please. Go support people creating, thinking, uh, art, and and philosophy, and um, doing more than just regurgitating. You know, yeah. there's 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 a lot of uh, exposition of things that seem lesser known that then go through trends of this is the thing, and it's you know it's the new natives thing that I despise about the kind of tourist anthropological ethnograph, but. There are also a lot of people who are doing amazing things with what they see in all these things, and and um, I will extol the 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 strengths of of the two people I'm talking to right now. In that, um, well, I'm also talking to the audience, so it's very confusing. Of I will <laughs> I will I will celebrate the the crown of understanding that is the the whatever mansion on the moon that is that's also the fixed stars. Um, <laughs> is uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, I'm gonna remember. I'm gonna remember. It is the tenth. Oh, for Ibn Arabi, it is the 10th. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, Shin, right? That's the Shin. Um, I say that because I have a Yod Shin yep. as a name. But uh, okay. So yes, that that I am I'm grateful for the gifts of both of your brains in that that um things discussed are neither fixed nor uh fleeting. And that that is its own isthmus that is very difficult to <laughs> you can't teach yes. it. Yeah. Um, and it, it is perhaps a passersby thing, but it, it it allows for beautiful connections, conversations, and unveilings that is rare. So I'm I'm thankful for both of your friendships, and uh, look forward to future talking with both of you together, apart and otherwise. Likewise, absolutely. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, two of my favorite folks to go on a moonlit uh, uh, long walk on short tangents uh, with. Uh, thank you both uh, so much uh, for 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 stuff we've talked about tonight, and for your your friendship and support, and uh, all the the cool stuff that you both go up to, and that I get to help with sometimes. Via populacing it mm-hmm. all up and down, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in the darkness, there is a path. Um, mm-hmm. It's on the moon card, um, and uh, may all your revelations be unveilings and. Remember, uh, uh, we are but imperfect memories of perfect vision. Uh, ah! I, I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to foreground that uh, that that even Idris uh, took several times to learn the techniques of geomancy from the angel Jibril, 
And so uh, I, I, I extol the virtues of, uh, of of regularly turning up to the things that you love to do, uh, to learn how much more you love them and how to do them with more love. Well said, Al. Thank and and we'll, the next time the dead magician obviously has to be, even though this is not a dead magician, Khadir. Um, <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> uh, which is also my car's name. Um, all right. <laughs> with that, farewell, friends, enemies, lovers, all, and... Uh, <laughs> Happy feast of Saint Jabril. Happy feast, everyone. <laughs>